Right, this is going to be the best damn league show. Obviously, last week, we did the episode where we did like the preview for the split and went over the roster moves. Me and Dom had all our takes. Now, to be fair, there's obviously only been three BO1s played by each team, so we thought we'd have a guest for this episode. So we brought back Yamato. Let's see what's in his bag. As it Yes. Were. I have glasses on, so I look more intelligent. And also, remember, in the past, he used to be like coach of Fnatic and all that jazz. Now he's actually free to really tell us what he thinks what the players. He doesn't have to like <laughs> their feelings or pretend it. Yeah. Oh, yes, it was me who cannot draft a champion for support. I am the idiot. Silly old me. He didn't have to do that, did he? Now he can just really say what he actually thinks about the game, which I'm looking forward to. So, okay. Right. Here's the place I want to start with this. I usually just go straight into the teams, but I actually think we should have a slight meta discussion because I saw Dom talking about this. It's a pretty good point, which is uh, obviously the whole static shiv meta is basically changing the whole fucking LEC, right? Like, as you said, Dom, because this particular portion, just the regular split is only three weeks, it's basically just going to be determined by that fucking build. And you're going to see the teams who can't play are going to be in a tough spot. And the teams who can are potentially going to score wins. Maybe they wouldn't. What do you think on this topic? So I think it's interesting. I don't think people have grasped how game-changing the Static Shiv patch really is. Because coming into this week, it was clear that some teams did not prep. They thought that, or they did not prep the Static Shiv LeBlanc. They thought it was kind of cheesy. They thought, oh, maybe you could do it in certain spots, but it's not OP. Whereas the teams that really understand it are like, you B1 LeBlanc. If LeBlanc is up, you B1 LeBlanc, you build nice. a stack shiv, you have like pressure, you just win the whole fucking game. So in the in the upcoming weeks, I think the dynamic is going to change. Like people right now that are scrimming like today or if they have their day off, they start scrimming tomorrow, they are going to be grinding the fuck out of static shiv and scrims, trying to see if there's other champions that can abuse it. I know Larson played it on Ari, but if, if it's not hot fixed um, and, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with 13-13, uh, but on 13-11, if they don't remove it, it's going to completely change the draft dynamic because on red side, now there are so many fucking things you need to ban. Before it right. was like, you could ban Nico, which honestly, I don't know if Nico is going to be as OP. Maybe I'm being uh, too optimistic in thinking that LEC will be able to play all these really OP champions. But from watching LPL and Yamato will tell you, like Nico is just fucking done. Like no one, no one will touch that champion. Like it was, it is banned red side, like every game, like you do not get Nico. So if you have to ban Nico, you have to ban LeBlanc, you have to ban Milio, you have like Yumi, Yumi to worry about, um, Yumi with Zeri to worry about. If you have all these things to worry about, Vi, there's so many picks that are strong. It's really hard to draft from blue because, or, uh, from, from red side because you can't really use counter picks. The whole advantage of red side is that you're supposed to be able to get counter picks. But if all their champions are fucking broken, it just it, like all you can do is leave some up and hope you can trade or hope that they don't play certain ones really well. I think it's a mess. And I think that uh, it's it's a pretty terrible patch to have your entire season on you know maybe it's some copium maybe xl can you know when they get eliminated they go zero nine they're like oh it's the fucking static shiv man okay. like we just didn't prep it like maybe they can get away with something like that well, i mean the joke is you just did actually fucking let go of the player that's brought back fucking ap kaiser so well done well done xl masterclass of gm and again like come on <laughs> what do you think about this static shiv game changer I, I think it's 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 clearly really really broken. I, I think it's very obvious that some players, like I think for example Larson playing Ari with it, like he barely like basic attack, didn't play around it well. I think also like even though Perks played it, it looked very wonky in both of the games that he played. It like fucked up the autos, fucked up the spacing in terms of what you can get out of it. You know, I I understand to some degree, right? Because it was something that 
like was talked about, but it wasn't like a certain thing. But we we had like Jizuki on the call, and he had he was already ready. He played like a hundred <laughs> games of awesome. Static Shiv, and he awesome. had yeah. all the tech down, everything down, and he just could point out all of the nuances of everything. And I think yeah, there's an element to that. I think it's for me the most annoying and frustrating part is that I don't mind when something is OP. But I just know for a fact, like everyone's just waiting for Static Shift to be gutted. And then this play pattern is going to be completely out of the game. And I think the fact that that is a part of the three weeks, like if it was some champion that just was overbuffed or something, I think that's like the natural process of the game and how uh, the patch cycles work. But we know for a fact that by the time Static Shift gets nerfed, it's not going to be like some some niche tech where you can use it as a counter or something like this. It's going to be gutted to the point where no one's going to play it mid anymore. And I think... That is the most disturbing part for me. Uh, I, I remember like when people were playing Funnel and we're just waiting there for Riot to nerf Funnel hard enough for it to be gone. So we're playing on these patches where some teams are abusing Funnel. But from my point of view, it's like I didn't want to invest time into Funnel because in essence, I knew it was getting nerfed and I wanted to focus on what is relevant to the long term. And I think when that is a part of the game, I think it's annoying. I think in the context of these three weeks, considering we have BO3, like BO1s and the Super Weeks, I think it's already too late to like hot fixes for these uh, three weeks, right? So it's already going to be a mess. And I hope that there's going to be some something in place or if there's going to be a conversation. It's like if you bring this to the teams, there's going to be clear bias for the teams that already have LeBlanc players. Like, for example, Caps is willing to play LeBlanc or Humanoid. It's like, I'm sure, uh, for example, someone like Leader hates the fact that LeBlanc is very strong. And I think, <laughs> uh, you know, having a democracy and a pleasant conversation about something like that just means that it would just be completely unfair. So I just imagine that the whole split is going to be infested by Static Shiv. And I think this is just like the beginning. I think there's room to play Ezreal. I think there's room to play uh, Akali. There's room to play Ari even better. And I think that is going to, you know, be just uh, the trend. And I think the moment teams realize how broken it is that you can push the wave so, so fast and be first in every location and force the enemy mid to always give up 12 CS in order to match you, uh, I, I think the moment the teams play around as well, it is just going to uh, decide uh, uh, the whole pattern of the game. I mean, it's you can see the teams that are playing it don't actually they didn't believe that it was like B1 LeBlanc and we're just going to win the whole game because we have this champion. You see the way that the teams are playing it, even at the end of the game, like perks could easily be splitting. The whole thing that's OP about Static Shiv is like the wave clear. The fact that you could just W forward, kill a whole wave with one auto attack and then just fuck off and do something else for like 30 seconds. And at the end of the game, they're playing still like they have an old LeBlanc on their team. Like the LeBlanc is going to jump forward and you know use the spells and try to one-shot somebody or you know chunk somebody really hard which is just not um how it's played in between game one and game two we have jizuke in the nutsack typing to perks and teaching him about static shiv <laughs> like, that is, <laughs> and that's a fucking fact like you just see like like jizuke is the master of static shiv he is like a smurf account he's playing static shiv on every chip he's like no no like like you need to go night harvester with it to really abuse the product like he is on the next level of static shiv because jizuke has always been that type of player like when something is really broken he accepts it faster than anyone else. Other players will like be like, nah, of course. Like, like can that be good? Static shiv up the lane phase. I have to build AD. Is it really going to work? Jizuke is like, no, it's just broken. I'm going to build it every fucking game. So he's the master of it. And like by next week, man, like I think it's going to be a completely different game. I think we're going to okay. see, you know, LeBlanc permaban. But then when LeBlanc is banned, you're going to have like static shiv Zoe's coming out. Static shiv Akali's for the people that don't actually uh, play the LeBlanc. 
And yeah, I mean, we had we had leader on the on the call yesterday, and like publicly, he's like, I told them ban this fucking LeBlanc champion. <laughs> you ban this Le- <laughs> LeBlanc champion so I can play the game. <laughs> like, so yeah, I don't think we're gonna see an aesthetic of LeBlanc from leader. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, to be fair, when you say that, like that, obviously Jazuke is good at just accepting something's broken. Enough about Jack Troll's career. Sorry, did that say out loud? Shit, this, this, this. Every now and then, you're out of the, the, the intrusive thoughts that just come out. I, you know, I, do, I do what I can. Bring what it happens? I, this, this, Here's the thing. There's obviously a pivot here because the other thing that was mad was that actual, like, Kaiser made by VTO. Because to me, this just shows you how badly they must have managed the fucking roster construction. And then basically, quite frankly, the way they ran the team in Excel. Because the guy comes back, he already looks way better. Not quite like the MVP form of the past years. But this story from Peter Don, like, he's like a different guy. Like, the story Peter Don says is that VTO, VTO came into the office and he said, Perks is going to pick LeBlanc. Pick me, Kaiser. It's good. Trust. And then Peter Don goes, test it in warm-ups at least, first place because it's Peter Dunn. And then he and then he said, in warm-ups, VTO just goes zero four zero in eight minutes. And then just turns to him and just goes, pick it on stage. It's good. Trust. But then stomps the game, walks off into the sunset, refuses to elaborate further. It's like, man, this is it's a fucking different guy. It's not the guy before who's like, I am going to be taking a break because I'm anxious about the way League of Legends. Now he's like a fucking, he's, he's a stud again. He's back. Yeah. He's back. I mean, all he needed is to play with the greatest jungler in the history of Europe and suddenly he looks better. I don't know. It's crazy. Like, the, how, how did that work out? <laughs> to be fair, Tom, he is literally winning games with one of the worst Inters to ever play in LEC. Like, it is true. Okay, it is true. You know, <laughs> we, we can go to that too if you want. Like, by the way, yeah. mate, in that Vitality game, which by the way, Vitality have their own problems about losing that one. Mate, Vitevi was doing his hardest to lose that game. Like, this guy is almost trolling at this point in time. It's crazy. He wants to lose. He, he wants to lose. I mean, the way that, that, that he, he plays it, the reason... So, what people don't understand is they're like, they want to flame Vitality for, like, this being such a fucking hard loss, which I want to flame them too. But the reason why you flame them for this being such a fucking terrible loss is because they lost to Heretics, and you know by how Heretics threw that fucking game and how they ended up losing this game and how Evie's positioning was like so egregious. He's just dying before fights. That That is why Vitality should win for free. That's yes. why it was so bad that Vitality ended up fucking up this game is because of how hard Evie ruined the game. So, I mean, he had a, he had a good Renekton game. Obviously, when the team's playing better, everyone looks better, but I have zero faith in, in Evie as a player. Like, he will cap you so hard in what... Uh, yeah, what what you can do. But, I mean, on the video topic, on the Kaisa topic, I don't know how you feel, Yamato. I don't really believe in Static Shiv Kaisa. Like, I don't think it's actually good. It doesn't make sense to me because the whole the whole reason that Static Shiv is broken on LeBlanc and the whole reason why people are playing it on Zoe, Akali, all these types of things is because you're supposed to have movement in your kit that allows you to get more Static Shiv procs. That's why LeBlanc is so broken. You W forward, you charge, like, your Static Shiv. Then you W back, you get all the distance traveled back, and then you charge your Static Shiv on the way back, too. So you can just get, like, multiple procs over and over again. Whereas Kaisa, you kind of are just playing, like, an AD carry. It's not like, like you have one ult in a team fight. Maybe if you go far enough, like, that could be two Static Shiv procs, but it just doesn't seem like it would be close to the same level as the champions that are dashing all around the map. Uh, no, for sure. I, I think like Leblanc is like Z tier. It's like Static Shiv is like designed for. And then there's like the, the Ari, Ezreal, Akali, Zoe tier. I would probably put above Kaiser. I think, I think Kaiser as well. Like in, in, in the whole, like what he completed, right? He went Static Shiv into Nash's Tooth and into Ginzu. I, I feel like the whole, the whole play pattern that he wants to establish for himself in the context of what he's facing up against didn't really make sense to me considering he's playing against like LB. Gwen, 
uh, Wukong. Like, I think all he needs to do, maybe there's like some some build that can be better with like Mana Mune, or maybe like uh, he just goes in the full AP route and just plays for the one auto. But I agree with the notion is like Kaiser's basic attack range is not that high. And there's an element there where uh, if you play the AP Kaiser, you're playing on W distance. W has no synergy with the static shift. And I think, uh, you know, should there's a conversation to be had there in terms of how like OP it actually is, because sure, you can push side quick, but this was never like one of Kaiser's issues. Like if Kaiser went on side, it's more about her, her safety. Sure, the window of... Uh, where you expose yourself is shorter because you have static shift, but Kaiser could always push waves super, super fast. Uh, then the question is if static shift just does too much damage in a fight, uh, if you're actually hitting, maybe there's a conversation there, but I don't think Kaiser static shift is like some 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 crazy abuse case because I think with the way the game played out, uh, maybe when he had finished his static shift first item, there's probably not a better item than to have to static shift just to match the push. But then later in terms of what Kaiser is, I don't think it changes the identity of, of, of the champion the same way it does with, for example, LeBlanc. So I'm with you there. To spin it into a conversation about heretics, like, here's the thing, that obviously compared to the old heretics, it's massively improved, like they have chances to win in ways they didn't and through lanes and positions they didn't before. But the problem I have is, that Vitality game is special, especially, by the way, it's slightly feeding back through someone's mic at the moment, that basically, that was such a fraudulent win. Like, as you say, Dom, like, they were trying their fucking hardest to give Vitality this win. Like, like, why the fuck did they have that, like, mid lane fight without the mid laner even? Like, 4v5, <laughs> just repeatedly. Like, th these guys just want to lose. Like, we can go into some of the Vitality issues which let them win, but let's do that later. Like, the Herex side, it's like, look, they are better, but I actually think where we had him in our rankings, mate, is perfect. They're going to be, like, fifth or sixth. That's, like, the sort of range that they're in. Like, they could get some B or one wins. I just don't believe this team can actually do much more than that. Yeah, you know? I, I know I, 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 And obviously, the Flackhead fans are going mental. We can talk about that if you want. <laughs> I mean, I I think like like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. I think it's all, it's all the same. Like one thing we've seen from this format is it doesn't actually matter how you do in regular season as long yes. as you qualify for the next stage. I mean, we had Koi like limp in four or five and then like make a like a run in playoffs. I mean, we've had we've had all these teams like what like the when you look at the winter season when you look at the winter season in general like. Uh, what Vitality was all the way at the top, <laughs> like and yep. you saw what happened with them. Um, so I, I don't take too much away from it, like. I don't think that Heretics is playing on some ridiculous level where it's like, oh man, they actually look fucking good. Like there's other teams that, that um, like for example, I would say Fnatic's form looks more impressive to me than Heretics sure. form, like significantly. Like when I'm looking at, at, at Fnatic, I'm like, oh, that could be a real fucking team. And even though they're 2-1, I think that they're a much better team than Heretics. If they played right now, I would expect Fnatic to win. If they played a best of five right now, I would think Fnatic would win the best of five. I just think that like when you play the games out the way Heretics played, like number one, you have to you have to look at their schedule, right? They had a fucking pretty easy schedule, all things considered. They played uh, SK, who looked like a bottom tier team, and Astralis, who was beating them, to be fair, like Astralis was like pretty fucking ahead in this game. And, you know, they got a double TP off, which is something that's happened multiple times for Heretics, by the way, is they're getting these like 10 minute double TPs off and they're winning games off this. And and those are the teams that, that Heretics beat so far and Vitality who look bad. Like Vitality looked like they're going to end up being like a fourth, fifth place team. So when you look at all these games, there's nothing to tell me that they're suddenly like, they're suddenly better. They're suddenly going to be like top four in, in LEC. I just think that the way that they play out games is, is rough and everyone is looking at score lines and they're forgetting how the games work. Like look at the Astralis game. They played this Draven, what was it? Draven Nautilus, Draven Leo, whatever it was. It was Draven plus Engage and they played Draven Evolution Nami. Yeah, it was Draven Nautilus into Lucianami, and they got solo killed in lane. They, they got just 2v2 killed, like 2-0. Yeah, just no, no one coming down there. 
And the game was probably going to be fucked if they didn't start getting these TP plays off. And I don't think that that's a realistic thing that they'll be able to do every time. Like, is, are people just going to die to 10-minute TPs the entire split? This is the first time where it's changed. So I, I think Heretics is, like, better than they were before, maybe. But that's, like, to me, that's, like, anywhere from 5th to 8th instead of being ninth. That's where I see them. The big problem I have is, like, to me, like, that TP play, as you say, by how consistent that's just coaching. That just looks like Peter Don's got them ready at the beginning of the split. They're getting a couple of cheeky wins here and there. Also, there is the whole, like, fucking, they're also one of the teams using this fucking build. They're not going to endure. And by the way, I'm going to say this. If I'm going to flame the fuck out of Reckless, one of the greatest players ever, for failing the fucking Nexus thing, and almost, you know, he did lose his team the game. Flacker did, like, arguably a more egregious one. They just didn't lose the game off it. Like, what the fuck was that? I don't give a fuck. Oh, it's a, but I'm Spanish. You can't ever say anything about Flackhead. But the point is, like, I thought that was a mad egregious one. Like, what the fuck? I've been saying the whole time, Dom, since he was out of LEC, like, this guy should be in the LEC. Like, he deserves to be in the LEC. In theory, he does. He's an all right player. But what the fuck is that? That's a, that you, If people can defend shit like that, they can defend absolutely anything in the game, mate. Anything in the whole game. Like, you, in that scenario, if there's one thing I despise, it's when people think they actually are like Uzi Eye and they think they can, like, swag on you and they're going to win the game anyway, and then they fuck it up. It's like, bro, just finish the game. Just finish the game and then do the swagging, you know what I mean? Go on the fountain after you to kill the Nexus. What is this shit? Yeah. I mean, fucking, I, I, I view him the same way. We, we said on the show multiple times that we wanted him to be an LEC, that he was an LEC-level player. We just thought that he wasn't a top-tier player. I still feel the same way. I mean, he played better than Upset this week. I don't think that that's going to like, I, I wouldn't say that I think Flockett is just a better AD carry. I would not take Flockett over upset if I had to build a team right now. I also think that like when you make the comparison, because they obviously played against each other and this is the whole narrative is that like, oh my God, Flockett is now better than upset, which is a narrative that we've seen now for like a few splits. Like this is like yeah. something that people like to, to go back to. I mean, when you look at the games, it's like, Upset, upset just shouldn't be playing Aphelios. Like, that's just it. That's just it. Upset, Aphelios is just not it. Like, live, get him his other champions. Like, let him do his thing. And they just need to play. Like, when you compare Heretics to Vitality, because I know you wanted to, like, yeah, talk about them. That. They obviously just played. Vitality looks like the worst version of themselves. And they're still almost winning these games. So it's they like... All three games, for real. Yeah. And they're looking fucking bad. And yep. I, I don't know. I, I feel like when you watch Vitality play, it's so frustrating because you feel like they are playing the worst way possible based on the five players that they have. Like you see Bo, who's this massive carry jungler. And the way he's playing is he's like waiting for ganks. He's, he's Wukong. He's sitting, he goes around a ward. He has like this really good pathing to get around a ward. He's at a timing where no one is going to expect him. And it's like, you're, you're relying on perks, hitting a skill shot. You're re relying on perks, hitting a chain. That's never been perks of strength. Perks is not like the guy who has like super crisp gameplay. He's always been more of like a player that knows how to play side lane. And he's like, has good presence without the game. And he knows what needs to be done to win. He's never been like the super accurate skill shot guy. So you see Bo go, go fucking mid and you see him sit for like 30 seconds to try to get this mid gank off. And then he does the same thing. He goes bot and he's relying on Kaiser to hit hooks. Like, please just farm and fucking play like it's solo key, man. Just farm, get your items, and 1v9 the game. Don't rely on these, these other players to, like, help you out. Or, like, don't rely on these players getting you, like, the setup for the kills. Or don't try to enable them. He needs to just play a fucking selfish carry. I'm going to lose my mind watching this guy play. If I was if I was coaching this team, I'd be like, okay, we're getting you, we're getting you engaged support. We're going to get you tools later on, but we are giving you fucking carry champions. Like, instead of playing, like, Kindred with Milio or whatever the fuck they played it with, 
in that game, you're getting Kindred with a fucking Kaiser Nautilus or a Kaiser Leona. It doesn't matter if he like runs it down a few times. He'll have some CC. He's going to get one good fight and you'll carry. That's what I want to see out of this team. It's just so, it's so frustrating to watch them play. What do you think of Vitality Yamato? Am I, yeah, my... Now you've gone too low on the mic volume. Oh, it's your mic volume is um, oh. crazy low. How about now? Uh, maybe yeah, my mic volume is better. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I, I, um, I, the strange thing about Vitality to me is I, I think I, I can no longer claim that this is like I, I always had very high hopes of Vitality because individually they are just very, very strong pieces. But I, I have seen enough at this point to it's like if I just look at the body of work of Kaiser throughout the entire year. Oh like shit! The, the the curse, like 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 Neon was the one to be replaced, right? But I feel like that level of play has has carried over, you know. Uh, like after they played the Milio game, and it's like Lucian is dashing forward, right? I, I rewatched it, right? Lucian has Dirk against nothing, and he just is not using his spells. He just he just queued Ankara Messi nothing. He just queued nothing with Milio. <laughs> uh, into the floor and then doesn't press W, doesn't rotate his ease when they can clearly find lethal with the serrated Dirk Lucian. And Lucian just dashes forward and I can just imagine that this Lucian is losing his mind that his Milio is not pressing his spells. And and then the next day, they come in the next day, blue side, they ban Milio, <laughs> Milio Yumi. They're like, fuck this shit. We're going to yep. play Zyrakan, you're going to play a champ that you're comfortable with. And that is after one game. Sure, it's BO1s, you try to figure out, you try to figure out the best way to get wins. Uh, maybe they wanted to set up to just first pick level like of Nico. That's fine too. But just, just that in itself in isolation is so so strange to me. And then Photon. Every time playoffs, it looks really really bad. I thought at least Vitality is going to look in good look good in regular split because it's like I, I can imagine that their practice has been in a way where a lot of their games were just 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, because Bo just manages to get absurdly far ahead. Everyone just gets far ahead and the game is over and don't they don't get to actually practice any concepts that are going to transfer well onto stage. I think this probably was a big curse of theirs. But now we've gotten to that point where even that simple blessing that they had is no longer there because we see Photon against Mad Lions. My man is getting solo killed. Oh, it's so as, sad as, to watch. When and and that is like absurd. That like what what we saw on our screen in that game is is, is crazy. And then I, I look at Perks' performance too on the LB. Like he's just Wing forward into a Maokai ult as Leblanc. And it's like that game is, is is so competitive. And then Perks is not showing that he has a good understanding of how they need to play out the game. They're like playing scared. They're like going S5 on the same wave instead of splitting with the LB with the static <laughs> shiv. And it's like that level of uh, timidness and, and scaredness worries me because I feel like in that process, they're also losing their strength. But I can imagine that there is a sense of desperation because they are running into the same issues every damn split. It's like even though upset is in my opinion much stronger as a player as neon the issues of vitality have remained the same in terms of how they come like how they convert mid to late game positions how Bo finds his place within this team and what he does and how kaiser connects with the mid jungle this is just not something that is there like in this game right against team heretics it should look isolating their early game right it's like Bo <laughs> look to level three gank mid and then they just oink there, oink there, oink there. Perks, all he needs to do is hold his chain because Wukong and him, they're both hitting the Kaiser, burn the flash, put the E on the flash, and they are going to get value there. And then Wukong goes into bot, and then all of a sudden, okay, Wukong delayed all of his tempo, Mauka is going to be level 6, and then they dove bot, and then Kaiser's walking under the turret for some fucking reason, dying, and then all of a sudden the game is finished. 
and then Sion TPs bot, they don't see it at all, and they keep fighting. The Drake is gone. They're just walking up to the Drake. I don't know what the fuck is happening. I can't explain what they are thinking. Drake is already dead. The position to fight is poor, and then they're just walking up. Sion TPs, they get killed, and all of a sudden this game is, is blown out of proportion. There's just no level of connectivity, and at the same time, the only like thing that kept them going was the fact that Fortum was getting so massive individual leads in the regular split. Like he was playing Jay Sejuani with Bo and they just won the game on the spot. He was playing Gwen, Gragas was winning the game on the spot. But if that is lacking, even in the regular split, they're going to, to suffer. And I just see the same reoccurring issues for Vitality in terms of their patterns. They just have no clue how to connect on the map and, and create overarching ideas that extend past like a 30 second point. I feel like you need to be able to plan, okay, 5.30, we're going to cross into this wave, we're going to do the Drake, or we're going to prepare for the Herald and extend the ideas deeper into the game. But I feel like everything is happening in very short time frames, and everything feels so tense for some reason. Yeah. yeah. No, they feel like they're desperate. I mean, that that's desperate pathing. From Bo, that is like desperate pathing. That is what you do when you're like, man, like... If I farm my camps, if I play the way that I'm supposed to play, we're not going to win. I need to, like, do some other shit. You think he he's played this many games with Wukong and he doesn't know that he needs to get level 6 on Wukong? He just thinks that, like, Matt, like I have to I have to really find some type of advantage. I need to squeeze an advantage because we're not confident that we're just going to win later on. If you were playing a normal game, you would be fine. You'd be fine if, like, oh, Maokai gets a gank off. If you're getting your items, you get to your Divine Thunder or Spike. Like, maybe they get first Drake. Like, it wouldn't really matter when you're in that that mindset. But it's such a window into their mindset to look at Bo's pathing early. Like you could tell that he just doesn't think that they can win. He doesn't think they can win normally. He can't play normally, but he has to play normally. He has to have some, like if, if they're that bad that he needs to make these games happen. And if he doesn't, they lose the fucking game. Well, then you're going to fucking lose regardless. If you're that bad where you need your Wukong, like pressuring every lane sitting in bushes, like pre six, then it's fucked. You have to have some level of confidence to try to like make things work. And yeah, I don't know. I've been, uh, it's been tough to watch because I just can't imagine these players playing better. And then when you go to like other players, I mean, Perks is one of the best side laning mid laners you've ever had in Europe. Like if you look at the people that were the best at side laning, it was always, it was always caps. It was always Perks. They were the ones that knew how to side lane. Yeah. And, and, and when they came to NA, when, when Perks came to NA, he dicked the whole league just by side lading. Like that was literally, he won a title by just side lading and no one else knew how to do it besides for Jizuke. Those were the only two players that knew how to side lane. And then now you have Static Shiv LeBlanc, which is probably one of the, the best times to side lane in LeBlanc's entire history. You're not playing for poke under turrets, you're playing for side lane. He has, he has a free mid wave, they have Baron, and he's just grouping his five. And then not only are they grouping his five, Kaiser is like hooking in under the fucking turret and getting everyone killed. It's so painful, man. Like, they're just a team that you just, I, I, I hope that they just go like fucking, they lose at the beginning of this stage, they lose in, in the winters in the um, summer split, so we don't have to see them play anymore. Like, no, I don't want to no see chance. this team. There's no way that's going to happen. They're definitely I, making groups. Here's the yeah, problem. I know. I, I know, my and I hate here. it. Here's my angle. So first of all, I'll tie in what you're saying. Here's the problem, right? I know coaches hate when anyone dares to critique them, right? Because we're not in the room. We can't know what they're doing. We can infer things, though, from patterns. Here's the problem with this team. There's been two different versions of this Vitality roster, the one with Neon and the one now with Upset, right? And they essentially have some of the same identity flaws, as you're saying, even though Upset is a much better player than Neon, arguably the best ADC. So if that doesn't change anything, if that doesn't make bot 
lane really good, right? There's obvious problems here is Kaiser's form has just been shit most of the time. It was only like okay at times last split. It was terrible in the winter. It looks dog shit now, like you say. The engagements make no sense. So I have to infer as well. I don't think the team's well coached or there's literally a fundamental problem that means you cannot coach this team, which is I also now really do suspect they just have no comms. Right. It already looked weird to have a Korean player with a Chinese player with Europeans. But now I just think that fundamentally just does not work. Like, essentially, as you're saying, it already worked with Photon when the bot side was so bad. You just abandoned it. And essentially, it was solo queue. And it was a duo between Bo and Photon. And he just goes top all day long and gets Photon on carry champions kills. And then, as you say, if you can just essentially accelerate the lane from Jason, win the game, that's it. Yeah, you could win that. Like, But now, when they try to play properly and they try to play for bot lane... The fucking team's non-existent. Like, I don't think the same concept. I don't think Perks doesn't understand you can go to a side lane on the block. He did it his whole career, Dom. In fact, yeah. that's why people who hate Perks are so whack. You're like the dickheads who don't watch LCK, but heard that Chovy is, like, overrated and saw he didn't go far in Worlds. And so every year you come onto Reddit and you talk about him like he was ever the ultimate god of team fighting. Like he was ever the guy who played, like, the fucking, like, assassins and shit like that. And, you, and the joke is, when you talk about people like Perks, like that, like he's supposed to be like a lane god. You don't know perks, then you're telling on yourself, bro. He's only played for a billion fucking years and you still don't know his <laughs> tendencies. Like, the point in this scenario is he's not played to them. And I'll tell you right now why that is, Dom, because I've known some really good European players at side lane and top laners and mid laners. And they tell me this when you go to NA, you try it for a few weeks and you eventually realize because your team has never played like that, they will never hold as the four, they will always engage like it's a 5v5 and they will just lose fights they will do for fucking dives they will they will just like take like any support steps forward they blow all the ults and go in on it so it's like you can't trust them basically so what you yep. do is when you have no comms you default to 5v5s and you just fucking press buttons and you hope you just pray to the gods that you fucking someone lands an R whatever I mean against, the reason it was almost working against Rex is they're just a fucking semi-whack team themselves but no I think the biggest problem to me is they're not coordinated at all they look like they're not common and the joke here is I am going to give some flame to upset but I'm going to say it like this I don't even care that you're about us here. You must be great being upset. You've just walked into a second team with no comms where people just do whatever they want and just team fight. And it's like, fucking hell, is anyone peeling? What, what the hell's going on? Because that Aphelios game must have been cancer to play, mate. There's times that Aphelios is the one doing all the auto attacks, backing out, like fucking, uh, what do you call it when you're like kiting backwards, right? And the fucking, the Fed Gwen and the Nautilus are behind him running away. It's like, what are we even doing? What are we even doing? Why is the why are we fighting if you're gonna run away? In that scenario, your only job, by the way, is distract so he can do all the fucking damage. Or if you like the Nautilus, just block it. Get in front of that shit. What are you doing? So, like, I even thought Photon fucking through that game, mate. That fight near the the bottom where it started, like right in the bottom lane, he was just like stood behind up this side right, the whole, no whole time, doing nothing. He had no patience. Went in once people were dead, like a little cunt in solo queue trying to get all the kills. Like, bro. Oh, it's a team game. What are you doing? Like, if you just went in immediately, you win that fight completely. You just you crush them. You might even end the game off that. You know what I mean? Like, it was so fucking whack. Well, I think he fucked himself so because he used, he used his cooldowns already. So, like, the reason he had to kite out was because he had no W cooldown because he, he just had no patience. He's in, like, a perfect flank behind them. And all he needs to do is wait for his team to get a little bit closer. And then he opens up and the fight is fucking over. But the reason he had to fucking sit back is because he used his W. He used his W. He used all of his R's. 
and he just didn't have anything left. It's like, yeah, you just went too fucking early and now you fucked yourself. So my whole point with Perks not side laning and Bo playing the way he is, is that these players, it's not like these players don't know what to do. It's that they feel so desperate in the game that they have to yes. do things that they know are fucking bad. And that gives me like no confidence. That makes me think, what do you think of your teammates in that point? Because yes. when you look at other teams, they look like they have like some belief. It looks like Vitality is like no trust in each other. Like the reason oh, Perks the is grouping is because he thinks that like the game is going to be lost yes. if he doesn't group. But then he groups and then the game is lost anyway. It's like, oh my God, now it's even worse than it was before. Like... Because they're like on stage, there's always a little bit of difference. Oops. Maybe in scrims, they throw those situations sometimes. But I, I feel like at some point, you just have to play the way that you know is good. And you and like, especially regular season. And you need to just ride it out and just do the right play enough times and then hope that other people can get on board. Because if you're just trying to, to band-aid everything, you just end up sabotaging yourself. Then you're just playing like shit. Here's the flame for upset. Are you ready? Mark this in history. Rare flame for upset. Are you ready? Here's his problem. I can tell he doesn't trust this team at all. The way he positions in some of the fights, by the way, if he isn't the one being engaged on, it's like he just knows that if he steps forwards, his team steps back. It's like that shit. Here's what's mad. I know this will sound like a fucking insane analogy. I don't give a fuck. There's actually a story, are you ready, Yamato, in the Bible about King David, where what happened was King David was in like his palace and he looked out and he saw a beautiful woman and she was bathing naked, right? And because he saw her naked, it, like he had like sexual thoughts. He thought, oh my God. And obviously if you're the king of Israel back then, you could have like a million concubines behind you can do whatever you wanted basically but she was married it turns out to a soldier so what he did was he just arranged for his men that next time that soldier was in battle he said basically you'll all like sort of go forwards and then when he goes forwards you all just step back and then he's just on his own and he'll be killed and this is a real story and then when he was killed King David could just go and take that woman and she was his right that must be how fucking upset feels that that guy who if he steps forwards they step back and you just fuck so he now plays so, he's, so he himself isn't even always doing the damage in these fights he himself's running away Away from fights. By the way, if people don't know from summoning insight over the years, one of my number one hated pet peeves of the LCK, one of the best regions ever. It's why I love the LPL more for the last six years. Is in the LPL, if we go in and we start losing, we just keep trying to win the fight. In the LCK, they just start like halfway through the fight, just going like um, three of us could get away and you might die, and they just start like like losing wars of attrition over and over again and running away. And sometimes you run away, by the way, and you still get to where you're caught. And like one guy gets out and it's like bro we should have just fought this you know what i mean we should have done like a blg and just turned and fought and seen if we could have won it so that's the other thing with this team they're defaulting to 5v5s that aren't even 5v5s because people are already waiting scared running out like the, like the wukong's just on his own in the fight by the way if that fucking w doesn't come up he's fucked he can't even do it at that point in time they're just like baiting each other so the maddest thing is it's like you said at the beginning dom they could they could be 3-0 but if they were 3-0 they'd be such a fraudulent 3-0 it's actually good that they lost fucking some of these games. The problem is, when you say that part, like, I hope they don't even make it. I know what you mean, because this lineup needs to change. Like, it yeah. just cannot work. But here's the problem. you go got to understand how bad some of the other teams in the league oh, are. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's a hope. Coy's going to be... They, they are definitely making the groups. And the worst thing is, this is the worst part of all of Give them three weeks, and they might even somehow win some games in the groups. So like, oh, you better watch out, mate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, that, that's that's why that's why I hope because I feel like they're just gonna they're guaranteed to let you down at this point. Like, it is just it's so sad to watch how Vitality play. I mean, it, it's like them like the trauma of playing together for two splits has made them 
worse than they were at the beginning. How other teams have like improved, they have actually just got worse and worse and worse. I don't know what the fuck it, it is. I don't know if it's just because of the expectations and everything and the 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 label of being a super team or what what it is that makes them play so fucking bad. But they're not a team where I look at them and I'm like, oh, that's a super team. But I think that the, uh, the, the players were actually overrated. Like XL, for example, when I looked at that team, I thought that some of the players were not accurately rated. Like I've never been been in on Patrick. I was never I was never in on Xerxes really. Um, and Targamas, Targamas and, and Flockhead, the whole thing we were criticizing all of last year is that they couldn't lane. They couldn't lane versus top tier teams. So when I looked at that team, I'm like, I don't know if these players are accurately rated. I don't know if they're a real super team. Vitality, actually, like I would not be surprised if if Bo played with another team and, and looked normal, if they put him on a team where he was like free and he was unleashed and he actually looked normal or if upset went to another team and he looked, he looked crazy good or photon. Like I could see these players being good, but they, they are so mind fucked that it's so hard for me to like want to watch them play. Like when I see vitality games, I'm like, please man, just make it stop. Like these players know how to win the game. They know how to play their champions and they just, they just can't, they just can't for some reason with these five. I think when it comes to vitality, I, I feel like they've reached a point. It's like th there are like on, on the point that you made Thorin about the, the communication, right? I think there's a, there's a point where communication can be very, very damaging. It can just be worse. Like I, sometimes I, I've been in situations in teams where the best thing players would just play better if no one said shit, because I've seen like these players are capable of performing and playing good in the game <laughs> they, they have shown that multiple times and sometimes comms can just make it worse because it's like if i look at those two sequences right the two sequences that were so atrocious like the sequence when gwen was in the bush that whole sequence first gwen is going then leblanc is going in by herself and then wukong is going in by himself like like a like a like a clown car they're just coming out of the clown car like in in order it's 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 insanity or well, the same situation where kaiser hooks in the same situation like wukong is trying to cue the turret like he's trying to cue the turret are they saying hit the turret and all of them just like clockwork just walk in and hit the turret they're just following whatever was said and the whole conversation about what needed to be done there is just so misunderstood and they feel so pressured to just do the action that is being said that it just looks so stupid it's like you, you prioritize what is being said over your own initial instinct. I wonder if a team like that, if they just had no comps, if they would just play better. Because then they would have to rely on their own intuition in regards to the game. And I think individually they've shown that they have insanely high intuition for the game. So I, I was watching Bo on Champions Queue. Like that was my, my like guilty pleasure, just watching him play solo queue and watching him play Champions Queue. His instinct was was always, always sublime. Obviously, the, the level is different, but the ideas transfer so well. And Fortune has shown a high level. Kaiser has shown a high level. Perks has shown a high level. I wonder if the best thing they can do is just to just scratch it all and say nothing. Because I've been in situations where that was the correct decision, where instead of working backwards where all the comms is in the air when trying to move, remove piece by piece let's start from scratch and add things very very slowly so the instinct doesn't get so clouded by everything that is being said but this is obviously just uh, uh based off of my own personal <laughs> experience yeah, and situations i don't know for sure what's going on in that yeah, team of course but, so we mean, had to put they... the disclaimer in because he might be a coach again one time don't they just look like they look like fanatic last year though do they not? Do they, do they not look similar? Thorin? Last year, for now, we were better than this man. Come on. I mean, but some of these regular season. I mean, 
I don't. I mean, you'd get it together in playoffs, but how were like were, were there like parts of the regular yeah, season where like you guys were like five and seven or something? Yeah, you were terrible see. in summer. It's like we 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 dropped games where we were pretty much just like doing really dumb shit early game, right? It's like either we did some shitty three v three bot or like we died to some dumbass mid gank, and then we just didn't have the tenacity at all to to stay sane in a game. But I think whenever we we got through the early stage of the game. I think we were good at like converting positions. I mean, uh, better than Vitality. I'd but say. it was the same. It's the same type of thing. That, the that we call were yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, I mean, even if I'm looking at like the, the weeks, right? And going into the last week, Fnatic is, or we're gonna I be mean, you know, week six. Yeah. They're six. They're six and seven, and then they're seven and eight. Yep. Um, and they're like bottom three in the league. And you're just like, you're like, what the fuck? They have Humanoid and Razor. Like, how could this be happening? They have Humanoid, Razor, could Wonder. They have Upset. Like, how could this team be bad? And then they're still like, it's the same type of thing. I don't I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if people feel differently when they play on Upset teams or like what's going on. But when you when you watch them play, it's like when, I, when Fnatic got good, they just started putting things into the Upset basket. They started being like, we are just going to like fucking play bot lane. Like, that's going to be our win con. If he carries the game, he carries. If not, if not he he doesn't and i feel like vitality needs to do the same thing they need to just like find a way to play the game and just master a play style because they're yes, trying yes. to do everything and it's like it's just not working let photon pick his carry champions let him pick whatever but just don't visit his lane i, I hate when they gank photons lane. like bow and photon man how many times did we see them just botch ganks in playoffs just let him do his own thing have the Wukong or really the fucking... the language thing has to be part of it. Like, I'll say it again in case I haven't said it enough times on these shows. It's a CSGO point. I once did an interview with a player, a coach rather, a guy with Yanko who's the analyst, right? When he was the coach of a team called FaZe Clan, which famously is always an international roster, which at the time was very rare in Counter-Strike. In Counter-Strike, you take five people from one country, exactly so you all have the same culture, the same language, the same, like, fundamental way of playing the game. But when people made these all-star lineups, like in League and Dota, where you just put mixed Europeans together, he said the biggest problem is this. It's not that the players don't know what they're doing. He said the right call one second late becomes the wrong call. So to me, that's why Bowen fought on. Like, here's the maddest part about this. It's bad enough everyone's just going to use this to say perks and upset were always shit their whole careers. One of the weakest takes that you could ever summon. But it's worse than that. Who the fuck are these bow haters? I don't get it. Like, we never said in competitive he's already the best jungler to ever play. But they actually do talk for real, Dom. Like, he was a fraud forever and there was never... He never played in the LTL. He never carried any of these fucking solo queue games. He never had any promise any potential he's just an idiot who doesn't know what to do in the game like this is such a bad take because it means you fundamentally don't understand what the team part and the competitive part of the game is about it isn't solo queue like Kimato said the joke is if everyone in LEC had to play like solo queue no voice comms maybe these guys would win more games maybe then they'd just do things like think like oh like you play around little blonde like this you go in when they go in like there's no way to comment or to fuck it up at that point but I actually think when you're trying to come and you essentially like one guy's speaking English but he's Korean they at least have decent English usually. Chinese people speaking English is usually way more scuffed. I've heard him when he comes on streams, mate. He wasn't even that super like forthcoming when he was talking to people with no pressure on him. I can't even imagine while you're trying to do mechanical things and gank and calculate shit and talk. Like, get out of town, mate. It's not going to work. That isn't going to work at that point in time. So I, I think it's fundamentally flawed. And by the way, I do agree in general. Like, look, I, the problem that Dom was saying is like the coordination of uh, Fnatic looked shit and essentially did have to just default in the end to like put it all in the upset. Yeah, yeah. But the way that they lost games definitely wasn't the same. Like, for example, 
example, I think half the games were lost. I'll, I'm exaggerating by saying half. Half were lost because as far as I can tell, Humanoid was just on the like, fuck you. I got the bag fucking moment of his career. Yeah, and so he, so he would just walk forwards at level three, die. And then if someone in the team was like, why are you in? And he was like, Shaq, he was just like, check out them rings, motherfucker. Check out them. Where's your rings, motherfucker? And that was like, what is this? Like, is that all you've got? Like, you fucking won rings years ago. Like, bro, this is you know, fraudulent as fuck. Like, actually play mid lane, please. <laughs> a wonder sitting there he's like i got double the rings like what do you like what do you want from me he's like i got two rings like shut the fuck up hilly get back on nami duty like throw some like, fucking ults <laughs> definitely our solution was to simpl simplify and to specialize it's like we had like 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 humanoid and hilly had so conflicting ideas of how to play the game and that was like the thing that needed to always be mitigated within the game that would be like a very very big clash because it's like League of Legends is all about unity. It's like the, the ideas that, that are being done in the game, you need to have, like you need to have the buy-in from everyone. And that was like our biggest struggle. And then at some point, everything that we did was so streamlined. Like we just had a pattern on how, how we played. And it's like we had Lucian, Nami, Azir. It's like that recipe, I don't know. We got away with it so long. Like I banded it, our boat with flex tape and fucking <laughs> band-aids or whatever the fuck. And we just made it all the way to... To the fucking to to Malmo, you know, it was it was it was it was crazy. But it, it like always from that point, it's like it doesn't matter how fucking good your players are. You need to simplify it, make it streamlined, so your patterns in practice can replicate themselves on stage, and everything yeah. is relatively the same. It's like you hit the same beats, and then it's just the same things are being said. You can explore the same ideas, and when you're at that level, this is what you need to do. You know, it's like yeah, when you're starting from scratch, you just need to have one thing that you can just pivot to. But I think the, the key issue, right, is that I think either, e even though with the, with the current players that they have, I, it's like the way I would see this team function the best, I think I think Perks was always so fucking good. Perks Yankos, Perks Trick. Like these, these, these duos were dominating in terms of how they, they covered mid-jungle. I think about the champions that are involved right now, Annie, Ari, LeBlanc, just do that and then hover into both because playing through bottom side in terms of how kaiser lanes he's way too imprecise for them to uh, try to achieve anything in terms of what the competition is and i just want them to just specialize take over the game through mid move into the other sides of the map and just like through mid into bot through mid into bot just do this as clockwork just repeat this on cooldown and then i just want to see nothing else you know uh, well, that's what this, I want to see from Vitality. This is my problem with the communication angle. One of the worst parts of this this team is the fucking bot lane communication. And they're both German people that speak English. So like, like, what the fuck is actually happening there? Why can they not figure out anything like... Because when you think about Kaiser, I mean, he was essentially in that same boat as Hillisong. He was that guy who wanted to play engage supports. And he always looked a little bit weirder when he was playing Nami, when he was playing Yumi. He just never looked quite right. He was the guy that played Leona. He played Nautilus. He played Rakan. And he would just try to fucking find engages. But they don't even like play the engage lanes well. Yeah, upset, yeah. upset in Kaiser. So it's really weird. I don't know what's happening with Kaiser because I, I actually, you know, I'm somebody like, like I said before, I'm somebody who has like some solo queue hopium. Like when somebody is performing well in solo queue, it does make me think better of them as, as a player. Um, especially if they're a player that's known for not playing solo queue. So when Kaiser in the offseason grinded his ass off and hit rank one, I'm like, we're going to see a fucking good Kaiser. Like we've seen him play on his top mm. level before. He was always kind of the guy that was known for not playing too much. Like he would have a secret account here or there, but he wasn't like a solo queue grinder. So when I saw him put in the hours and I was like, we're going to see him back on form. He's going to look like precise again. He's going to be a different player than what we saw because he really wants it. He, he had that full, you know, 
two splits, but it's essentially the duration of one split where he was playing off form. You know, he was one of the people that was flamed the okay. most on Vitality. He wanted to show that he actually deserved his spot. And then I watch him play and it's like, damn, bro, like, is that the same player? Like, like you're, this is how you got rank one in solo queue? You're playing like this? <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's mental block in this team. I, I don't think I could even blame communication. There's just something wrong with like, the five players, blow it all up, blow it all up. I'm done. I'm yeah, done. That is totally thematically <laughs> accurate, though. It just fits what you said. He's a grinder, and now he's he's a bottom who's getting deep dicked in lane. Right, okay. No, here's the other thing. What we do now is that I'll take what you might all said. Obviously, the idea of like unity is the big deal in league. Let's pivot to the current fanatic. They're one of the teams that looks fucking sick right now, actually. It does look like look, not everything's fixed, but fucking hell, all signs pointing up, everything's looking really good. Like even though they went two and one, they they could easily be a team that's in the playoffs by the by the look of the first three games, right, Dom? Definitely. I mean the big obvious thing is that they upgraded their bot lane massively. Oh man, You're it's going to be really. No, I'm kidding. It, it's going to be so hard for <laughs> reckless fans to swallow this because this Noah guy looks so much crispier. He looks so much fucking better. I know it's only been three games, but when you just see his movement, you know he's on a fucking different level than Reckless was when he when he was playing AD Carry. I think yeah. that that's the reason why Reckless roll swapped. He saw this motherfucker in solo queue. He's like, yeah, it's finished for me. I better fucking all in on the Janna because if this is what's going to be in the league, we are fucked. Man, I, I really think the bot lane looks good. And, you know, you could tell the mentality in the team has shifted. Something Yamato said on, on, on the stream was Humanoid will play the dog, even though he ran it the fuck down on Nico. The fact that he's even picking that champion shows that he actually trusts his team more than he trusted them before. Because before it was kind of like, if you remember in winter, it was like, give me a zero no matter what. Give me a zero no matter what. I will try to fucking carry the game. And then they would just lose. Now it looks like he's, he's bought in more to, you know, the... The, the whole team, he actually believes that his ball line can carry. So I was actually pretty impressed with them. I know they lost that game. I mean, Oscar Innan had a bad game um, on the Malphite. They played against G2. It would have been a fucking miracle yeah. if they're beating G2 sure. in the first week. And I don't think G2 played a bad game. Like G2 played a bad second game, the one that they threw with all like the Nico bullshit. Sometimes G2 plays bad, but if G2 plays well, they should be the best team in the league. So I don't even care about that loss for Fnatic. I think they're so much better than they were in spring and winter. Right. Mine are mainly, my observations at the moment are mainly going to be jokes, you know. So you, you give us some more analysis, then I'll come in. Right. <laughs> I, I think uh, they, they made a massive, massive upgrade bot lane. I, I, I was concerned about Oscarini because I didn't, I wasn't so impressed by him in spring. Uh, but I, I give him some leeway due to the fact that it was his first split and he joined a rather like dysfunctional team. I, I think the science, as you, as you mentioned with, with Humanoid, right? It's like, Ozzy was the ultimate band-aid champion because you could play with jungle, you could play without jungle, you could push, you scaled, like you did everything. Like Ozzy was just inherently, insanely uh, broken because you did it. You could you could band-aid solve all your issues. It's like we were playing Ozzy, Lushanami, Orn, and a ganking jungler that went both level three, and and we played the same pattern every game because we didn't need to address the fundamental fundamental issues of how we played two v two mid and uh, how we connected with with super jungle mid as well. Uh, so we just uh, sold it like that. And I think in the context of this team so far, I think uh, Noah and Trimby are insanely big upgrades. Like it's, it's, it's a plain robbery. I understand that Koi position, they felt the need to make a change, but uh, Trimby has shown that he can be the best support uh, in the league. He was, I think, when Ro Rogue won the split uh, for that uh, duration of playoffs. And I think that he has shown a very, very high peak. And I think uh, that in itself uh, makes this bot lane super exciting. I think Noah is a fantastic mechanical player. I think Reckless is one of those AD carries that comes from 
know, in the past, AD carry was a role where uh, staying alive was a fundamental, like the core thing. It's like if you stayed alive, AD carry stayed alive, you would win the fight. And now we are living in an era where AD carries need to squeeze as much as humanly possible, and you need to leverage your movement to really, really bait out all of these in like text inflated abilities that are in the game. It's like if you're playing Aphelios, you need to actually leverage the fact that you get move speed from your uh, keystone. You have fleet footwork. You need to really, really squeeze the most out of your kit and you need to have the confidence to leverage move speed to actually deny the enemy from playing the game. And you see Noah as this type of player, or you see the Aphelios players in the LPL or the LCK, or like even some in the LCS, like when we see Berserker players, like they're they're, they're squeezing, they're squeezing the champion. I think Kazi is also one of those players that did it, but sometimes he just squeezed too hard and it just pops in his face, right? That's the joke. But at least he's he's pursuing that idea of, of, of really squeezing the most out of something that is Aphelios. It's like understanding that Dying for significant damage or push posturing forward for significant damage and, and really leveraging your role to the absolute max. This is so, so important for AD because AD is just inherently broken. And I think Fnatic as a whole, I think Razork still is he's either playing really insane or he's like really dropping the ball in some moments. So he has that inconsistency about him. But I think as a whole, I, I think that uh, in terms of how they convert mid to late game positions, I feel like they still... Due to the fact that Humanoid is there and also Trimby is there, I think that they have very good understanding of how to just win games when they're ahead. And I think the game against G2, that game was decided when they TP bot. And G2, I think, is the best team in the league by far, as, as, as you mentioned. And they did the TP on bot. Ari got all the freedom in the world. And there was that Drake fight that they mis-executed. But I don't mind a loss like that. You know, that's a fair loss against a team that is better than you. I would put Fnatic right now in, in the top three together with Mad and G2. And then in regards to, like, the whole playing field, just because of how bad it was, probably, like, Team Eretic might be my fourth. Just because of Holy how shit... Holy no, just because fuck of, no. But, but just because of how shit the whole league was you know like what do you like, what do you mean by that like you you think that they're like a top four team or you think they had like a top four week top four week you know oh, they had right. a top right. four week right. i mean they were three oh so that's fair okay okay it's like in regards to everything else that we saw you know it's like yeah. Yeah. i just i just wanted to make the point that i think that lc was really garbage the majority of it uh, yeah, this it's, weekend it's, it's pretty uh it's pretty tough I, i've i've like lost almost all hope it just feels like i'm watching lcs 2.0 when i watch lc at this point <laughs> like i like do you think that there's a chance that that a team makes semifinals. I think there's oh, like almost zero chance. The worlds he means. Yeah, worlds. Well, the problem is it's only G2 at the moment that looks like they could do it, doesn't it? Like, I don't really believe BDS and MAD are actually that good when they go international. Anyway, let's just do this, right? So, okay. first of all, I actually agree with you, Martel's point. One of the problems is you can tell which ADCs think this is like four years ago and they're like ruler on fucking Samsung Galaxy. It's like, if you are the ADC now, it is your meta, bro. You have cried for eight years. Now is when not only do you even have fucking like champions that do loads of abilities, you're also the man in the fight in every sense. Like, as long as you team for you just go in there and just kill everyone like just trust that you can do it you don't have to stay on the edge of the facts i'm with you Matt. the old thing used to be just stay alive stay alive and do some damage stay alive basically at the time in your head you should just be playing classic 70s rock the bgs ha 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 
Ha, staying alive. Whereas now, when I see some motherfucker playing like that, all I think is, these are some BGs. That's a joke about, like, sort of a, you know, acronym. BG, but okay, yeah. Keep going. Then, obviously, now, you've got Noah, who, basically, if you didn't watch LEC, I didn't watch EU Masters this split, so to be fair, jokes on me, this is the one time I didn't bother watching it. Basically, for everyone who wasn't in LEC, this guy was the worst kept secret. Like, everyone could see this guy's just a stud. He's, he's really good from solo queue. And what? He's going to Fnatic. And what's more? Oh, it's Fnatic, though. Remember, they're having those problems. Like, he's had VN that good. Wait, they're getting Trimby as well, like, bro. That already sounded like, hmm, this is delicious. Like, I could see Trimby have a little resurgence. Then the joke is you would actually think thematically it should be the opposite because they've gotten Noah now, but it's the old lineup where all the animals were going in but two by two. <laughs> you can't do it like I do, you mortal. These are just fucking Danish idiots trying to do jokes on the broadcast. They don't have my chops. So, okay, now they've got Noah. They've got the fucking stud, haven't they? And mm-hmm. also, when you've got the superstar ADC and the team has some coordination, like, the Oscar and the guy doesn't even have to be that good. He can have games that are bad. He could die a few times. As long as, like, and by the way, here's the other thing about that team that I will say. is for me, the canary in the coal mine of all these fanatic lineups is Razork. Watch Razork's face when they lose. Watch how he tweets when they lose. That's how you know if it was like, oh, we lost, but you know, it was a fine game. We were playing well, just easy loss. Well, basically, Razork is that fucking Shinji guy out of like Evangelion. If he's just having a breakdown outside the fucking mech, forget about it. The angels are winning, mate. This is over for us. We're not going to fucking stop the end of the world or whatever. It's just over. When he actually believes in himself and he knows what he's doing, then you, then he's actually fucking really good. Like, there's another thing. All those Fnatic fans, they used to hate on Hillisang if Reckless was there. Then they used to hate on fucking Razork to not hate on Humanoid to not hate on fucking Reckless or Upset or whoever they didn't like at the time, right? Razork is just being good, even in all these, like, weird lineups. He's just he's never been bad. He just had coordination issues and certain times champion issues. He is still a fucking good player. You can just fundamentally see it. He might not be the best, but he is good. Like, I would keep him around. I said this before, mate. If I'd have had to pick between the two, and I get why you can't, there's contract issues and stuff, it's humanoid. I would have jettisoned ages ago, and I would have said, let's see Razork with a different mid. Let's see Razork with some fucking perks or something like that. Let's, let's do that lineup. So, to me, the lineup, just, look, it's not like the best players in every role, but the quarter looks great. They actually finally look like they work together as a team. The Razork humanoid issues just aren't a big deal. I mean, they only lost to G2 because they're the best team, basically, like you say. This team right now is the second like or third best team in the fucking league. Just a star. What's the hit? Yeah, yeah nothing, nothing's to hate. Just obviously, if you're a Reckless fan, you are mad upset now because not only did your boy end his ADC career throwing the whole fucking game and sending Mad Lions to world, to MSI, but also now a random person you don't even know, Korean, and we all know the Europeans are like, there should be no imports in our region, and then this guy just walks in and he's already carrying all the games. Bruh, you've got to be so tilted right I mean- now. It's pretty crazy to me that in one week of play, Noah has already shown me more than Reckless. Like, what what was Reckless's best week? Over- he had a couple of Kaiser games last split in, like, the groups or whatever. He had a couple that were all right. Kaiser? Or who? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Zaya, sorry. He had a couple of games that were all right, yeah. I, but I, I there was no game it's a thing. that and made an impression like time, no one's games. At this point in time, Reckless fans must be like Reckless's body because they're trying to black out all the parts they don't want to see. You don't understand there's levels to this shit, bro. They're all they're all the LCS. I'm fucking like LPL. I saved my best shit for the international. I have to bring oh, yeah. a bit of spice when you're on the episode. I know you appreciate some <laughs> I do. Yeah. I was like, yeah. it's all good. It's you all keep good. me on my toes, bro. I'm not <laughs> sweating, but you keep me focused. 
because you're, me, just, you're just having a jam session. To me, the other funny team to talk about, if we're talking about teams that have coordination, because this is another team I do not believe fundamentally have the best players in most of the roles. Mad Lions is just a fucking team that works, mate. This is a team that understands how to play together. They almost understand the weaknesses of some of their teammates. They're clearly well coached. Like, again, what is there not to like about Mad Lions? This is why when everyone was hard flaming them at MSI, I was like, bro, you know they aren't even supposed to be here, Freckles, it's a nexus. And then secondly, like, they're doing what they can. Like, you're sending Kazi against the best ADCs in the world and all bot-centric teams. You're sending like Niski to actually have to clap the best mid laners in the world. Like Elioy is basically on his own. Like you can't do anything at that point in time. The Chasey guy was never going to survive outside of LEC. That was fucking obvious. Anyone with eyes could see that. So to me, the only chance they ever had was some of those players. So to me, Mad Lions again in LEC, I actually was a bit down on them. I thought they wouldn't be as good. The problem is if Vitality is going to be shit, if the other teams are going to be shaky, why wouldn't Mad Lions be the second best team? Why wouldn't yeah. they be? They are. They just yeah. are. Yep. No, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I think the, the thing that Bupo said was perfectly accurate, though. If Chasey is going international, you can never have Hopium, really, that he's going to be oh. better than the LPL and LCK top laners because he literally would just be in those regions if he was better. Like, the reason he's in Europe is because he's not good enough for LPL and LCK. So that's the scary part about when you start having imports on your team and they're not like these high-tier imports where you know that they're getting a fucking bag. It's like they're just trying to have a fucking job. And... Chasey is just not going to be as good as like bin 369. It'll just never happen. Like he'll never be as good as bin 369, especially in now the region that he's playing in. Like it's just harder to improve when you're playing in a, in a worse region. So it, I it have is... to say though, too... oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say it is kind of doomed in that regard. I have to say though, in regards to that, I think still it's like if, if Chasey, like for example, last split was the most dominant top lane regionally, then it's like, wh whatever else would you want to send in that is here locally, you know? It's like, yeah, no, I sure. think the moment you import someone, they are, they are, they are, they are local because they are growing and they are becoming ripe here, you know? It's the <laughs> problem I'll say right now, Yamato, and I don't care what anyone thinks, I'm just going to say it, right? It is actually a disgrace to our region that there is an import Korean guy who's a knockoff Korean who came in and he is like among the best because top lane is so piss weak now in Europe. It is pathetic. Like, that's the point. If you actually say last split, well, if it's not him, then who is the best top lane? It's like, my God, what are we even going through here? It's like, I don't know, Fortin had some more Adam. Games, playoffs. <laughs> Adam can get kills if you just ignore that he doesn't understand what a wave is and that basically, like, yeah, half messed. the time he's the bait. <laughs> Fucking Broken Blade, like, okay, some of those games were all right Broken Blade like, has whatever. looked pretty good though yeah like, sure yeah. I, I think i think that 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 him and licorice have looked a lot like they they look like shit in the regular season and then something happened where they went to msi and now they just look better again like i don't they know ate beans they ate beans they ate beans I mean, in london breakfast yeah. maybe maybe it's the beans bro <laughs> that, maybe it's the, the fucking beans <laughs> They normally I'm the one giving them the full English. Here's the thing. You can tell by Yamato, actually, he's so much more cheery. It's not just that he's not in Fnatic anymore, Dom. What he's done is he's realized after the stress and the torment of all those, like, different fan bases warring, everyone blaming him, like, the fact that, like, all, all the fucking internal issues in his team, like, he's never working out. He's fucking probably, like, had that stressful <laughs> as he's doing the fucking drafts. Like, now what he's done is he's just gone full zen in fucking Japan, hasn't he? He's just, like, <laughs> he just comes out, he just starts fucking doing bonsai tree just clipping he's not thinking about anything else he think he focuses on the bonsai tree just the act of the clipping intentionality he's doing his tea <laughs> ceremony he's not putting a podcast on music he's just like that's right, that's right return to the baseline chop wood carry water chop wood carry water there's no fanatic drafts anymore just chop wood carry water stream get in the nut sack there you go you figured out last night well done yes. You're right. And through things like that, I can give solid opinions about Mad Lions. 
I think Mad Lions, what I love about Mad Lions is I think they are really leaning into the identity of Hilly. I think when you have Hilly, lean into Hilly's idea of the game. I think Would Hilly... He's playing Yumi or what? Like he's playing uh, Yumi. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more about how it's like, sure, he's playing Yumi or not. It's like the, the things that he will look for will still be relatively the same, you know? It's like the energy that you feel playing with Hilly when he wants to win, it's like fighting against that will make you lose. And going with the flow, with that energy can take you very, very far. And I think that Hilly has a mind that is most similar to uh, what do we see in, in the LPL. Not this meme about, oh, taking every fight, ha, ha, ha. You know, this fucking average uh, fucking take that non-LPL watchers take. But it's more about having the instinct to, to look for every opportunity and even finding them against the best players that are trying to deny those opportunities. And I think Hilly is very, very good at that. And it's like in every interview, every conversation, it's like Kazi is saying, I just follow along, Hilly does. It's like when Hilly wants to do it, I follow blindly. And I think that, uh, I think the general idea for, for Mad Lions, I get the feeling that they are leaning into it. And I think whenever there's constrictions in that department, that is where they just, their, their floor just fucking really plummets to the floor. I, it's like they, 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 they hit a snag in terms of what they believe, what their identity should be, and all of a sudden they look like so garbage. But when things are working and they are committing to an identity, they just look so much better. I think that's partially draft-related too when you figure out what you want to play because I think that was a big part of what they managed to secure when they did the run in, in the previous split. But I think... Mad Lions, I really like that they have strong enough, very, very strong individual players. And at the same time, I think that there is a commitment to an idea. In last year, 2022, we had too many ideas. We had, we had, we had, we had, team, we had players from different championship winning teams. It's like everyone had great ideas. But, but in that conflict, when you're not doing the same shit, it doesn't matter how many championships the, the players have won. It's, it's more about just making, forming a spear and really pointing it at the enemy. I think this is what Mad Lions does well. It's like I think that they are playing together. And even though their games weren't the sharpest, they were very dirty at the time, I think that there is always potential for them to come back against teams that are less accurate because they are finding ways to act together. And I think this is the fundamental idea of League is to find ways to group without losing uh, you know, efficiency. That is like League simplified, right? And I think Mad is, is doing that fine. Also, by the way, if Kazi can actually now play Aphelios, it's game over. He's actually like fucking t- the arc, the redemption arc on Aphelios is crazy now. He actually can play that shit, apparently. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, his his, his Aphelios looked, looked good, but yeah. no, I mean, it, it looked good. I mean, he had that, that huge highlight play. I just, I don't think that that Aphelios, like he can always play champions mechanically. It's always what, what Karzi you're, you're looking for. I was never out like, oh, he can't play this champion. He can't play that champion. It's more like he just sometimes fucking hits the entire game. And until I see him like play a consistent split where he's not doing that like multiple times, uh, you know, in, in, in a series, it's going to be very hard for me to, to just think that he's like the real deal. Like he, meaning like he will go internationally and he'll actually get something done. It's just it's it's always scary playing with with Hilly or playing with uh, Hilly Garzi. Like both of them together, there's just going to be some ints, and you just have to accept it. But I what I'll say about this team that I think is underrated because when they got formed, it was people coming off bad splits, and they were thought of as damaged players like Elisang and Garzi, and no one knew what's going to make, and no one knew who the chasey guy was. The problem is, I actually think now, having watched them like two and a bit splits. They actually maybe now, in hindsight, were underrated. Because if you actually look, it's not that I, I don't think they've got the best player in almost any role. Maybe El Yoya. But the flaw of the team is really good. Like, all five players actually can play well. All five players can play decent. They've got 
got their champions. They got their picks. They know how to play. So as a result, that's why I say, like, I was sort of out on them, like, maybe that was just a fluke run or whatever. Now they have to be a playoff team. It just have to be. They're almost a lock to be a playoff team this time. Yeah. I think that in regards to my bot lane, I think they are just a very high variance uh, bot lane. I think that in regards to the first split when they lost, they like when they lost in winter, that bot lane like was just so terrible. Like, the fact that they made it to the finals, like they didn't play lane well at all, and it was obvious that Elioa didn't believe in the bot lane at all because there were times where he could have defended dives and just chose not to because he felt the need to accelerate the game elsewhere, and it was just like this. It's like, oh, I'm pathing into bot, and then my bot lane loses summoners level one, and it's like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? And then, it's like, and then the transition into, into spring, all of a sudden in, in their series against G2, they were getting 2v2 kills. Even, I think, when it comes to uh, their international performance as MSI, it's like they had that pike game where they snowballed the shit out of the game, and they could have maybe beaten T1. And then Zaya, like, I remember Kazi was, like, carrying actually some of those fights on Zaya. I think that the upside is so damn high for for Kazi and Hilly, but definitely I agree with the notion that it's like Kazi plays out situations really, really well, but sometimes you find himself in really shit situations and it doesn't matter how well you play them. It's like, I don't know that game when he played like Ezreal, right? Ezreal against BDS. He's like 7-0, they're playing this poke comp. And then he gets this idea that he's going to bait the Malphite ult with his Zonia's Hourglass. So he just ease in, and then Malphite ults him, and he stopwatches, gets Jinx trapped, and then all of a sudden the game is over because Jinx gets uh, like 3,000 gold influx in that match. It's like shit like that. So like, what the fuck just happened? What oh, no, the fuck were you thinking? He has that fucking thing. He's like that meme of like, this is the moment he realized he fucked up. Like that's One like, of them was being fight like that, it's true. By the way, the other thing as well for me with the Mad Lions, Ross, is ah oh, fuck where was i gonna go with this actually do we pivot for mad lions no no that was it because you mentioned el yoya so just like the flackhead fans the spanish fucking army was out having to defend him when he did stuff right everyone knows that thing at msi where the el yoya fans were just i mean why am i even saying fans just spanish people on broadcasts and call streams just saying the most outrageous shit you could ever say if dom even said a fraction of this stuff in English, oh yeah i would no get call stream he is dead on reddit forever he is fucking might my, my joke is like banned in legal they do everything to him here, but he was getting away with it here's what you might not know dom is i'm gonna let you know because here's one thing that's mad and people won't know this but it's true i'm an esports historian you can go and check it right on by the numbers the cs go show i did with richard lewis i'm talking back at the end of 2015 what happened was there was no brazilian teams in cs go were any good until the end of 2015 when they got one lineup that was really good and it went eventually won the majors and i told richard because he was sort of like why were the fans going crazy on us those brazilian fans when you know it's like the first tournament they've ever done anything at and i was like oh richard you have to understand like the sport and culture over there like i know what it's like when the ufc goes to brazil they they do chant, like, first of all, stuff that like this month you also couldn't say in English, but they also chant stuff like, you will die. And, like, that's, like, the fucking fan culture. So I knew that the fans there, because how they are in sports, they're going to go even more mad in esports behind keyboards. Spanish culture is the same in sports. Like, I'm going to tell Dom a story here. That's a true story. One of the most legendary players to play in La Liga, the Spanish Football League, was the player from Portugal called Figo. He was an amazing midfielder player. And the problem was, he was an icon of Barcelona, and he actually, because he didn't like the way the team was going, moved to their rival Real Madrid which over there isn't just like in the NBA where you're like lol one day I'm on the Lakers well who gives a shit now I'm on the Celtics like no one really gives a shit then it's like the fans will still cheer for you because you're their player you have to understand when they had one of the like El Clasico derbies where Real Madrid played Barcelona when he would take the corner, Dom, not only were people throwing bottles and coins at his head, this is real, you can look it up, they threw a pig's severed head towards him while in the middle of a game. 
<laughs> I want to see this. <laughs> Look it up. If you understand that's the level we're on, you understand why the Zuma kids are just like, kill everyone on the team who isn't the Spanish player. It must be their fault. Like, they, they, these guys, they're unhinged, mate. They're just fucking, they're going to go off on one. So, look, you can do two things with it. One, you can just not view it and just realise, you know, their passion is helping our engagement of the league. It's making people care about the league. I've just seen about the LCS. The actual worst thing is apathy. It's where all the people on Reddit are just like, yeah, I never really cared about LCS. And who gives a shit? Mm. Maybe they shouldn't even be in LCS. Same people a week earlier. Like, there must be an ACL. You know what? Maybe we should just wrap the whole fucking league up and fucking, ch- you know, furlough it. Oh, come back in three years. Oh, it's mad, isn't it? So basically, in a way, it's good we have them. The problem is, though, this is why that whole American standard of like no toxicity on the internet and don't say mean words. It's not going to work because these regional ones where they speak in their language, shit from their culture, they're going to go hard as a motherfucker. I'm telling you right now, hard as fucking the pain. You're going to see it's going to keep going. It's going to keep going. Get ready. I'm get ready. ready for the next Mad Lions loss. Just get ready. You'll see it. <laughs> okay, if you're I mean, risky, it was... it's game over for you. I mean, you've got your own leech and you've got the French, but that, that ain't enough, mate. You know, in the modern yeah. day, you don't really want the French on your side in a battle, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like you know, 18th, 19th century, you rocking it, but not so much, not so much the last few, you know. <laughs> well, BDS. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Because here's the thing, the one thing I'll say is this, I'll start it like this. I have to give a very mild apology to BDS in this sense, which is I did, I, I was down on them this split Yamato. I think I had them like coming like fourth or something. I had them as like the worst, it, like maybe borderline to come, like not even get out of groups. I apologize. Oh, nothing to do with your game. It's not the Shaq meme. You're not good. I just didn't know how fucking bad the rest of the league is. After seeing the rest of the league, fuck it. You can have it. You can come forth. You can get into the playoffs. It's fine. Because here's the thing. Mate, if you're an Adam hater, just get your fucking, get like an old fucking cartoon of Tom and Jerry. Just get the fucking like, you know, get the like handkerchief on there, like the bib, like get the knife and fork. Get ready, because you're going to be eating good this split, homie. You're going to see some fucking atrocious shit this split. But I'll say the other thing as well. Does every other coach in LEC owe Adam money, or did he pull them out of a flaming car wreck? Why are you giving him those fucking two champions? He Give him anything else. Give him anything but those two champions, please. Please. <laughs> I'm normally not the guy like, just ban X. Like, please, just ban X and Y. Just ban Olaf and Darius. I don't care. I don't care. That, like, But the metric doesn't actually make sense. I don't care. Yeah, but, but it, we can cover it this way. I don't care. Yeah, but in Korea, no, I don't give a fuck. Just ban that. That shit now, please. Ban that shit now, please. Because right now, when that goes through, my soul dies. Because I know yep. this bomb is going to get to fucking course through another game. And then his fans are going to be like, who don't know anything about waves. It's going to be like, he's actually good. In fact, I think he should be all pro. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> he should barely be a pro. Never mind all pro. Right, anyway, there you go. I'll start it off for you. No, I mean, for, for, for sure. This was, uh, this was a tough showing for BDS. Especially because it kind of lines up with what you thought beforehand that the meta would just not going to be as good. I mean, they were a team that looked like the best team in all of spring. And coming into it, a lot of people were confused. Why is BDS being ranked like fourth, fifth? Yamato, I don't know where you had them, but you didn't have them that high, right? I, I, I had them third. Yeah, I mean, much. but essentially everyone should have had them top two based on yeah, their, their spring performance because they looked good. I mean, outside of the last three games that they played against Mad Lions, they were the best team all split. This is actually the nightmare for BDS. When you get into a meta where there's a bunch of new champions, because BDS got by on playing things like Casio mid and just being able to have like answers to the meta that they were comfortable on. 
Maybe like Azir comes back, some BDS can play some Azir mid. Maybe they can do things like that, but having to play like Nico, Static Shiv, LeBlanc, if this is up, like this, these are going to be things that I, I think that Nuk is really going to struggle with. And when you look topside, it's the fucking nightmare when you get the Olaf game for Adam into one of the picks that Olaf is, is supposed to be good into, and then he's getting solo killed in that lane. Like, oh my God, are you fucking in for it? But man, I, I'm, I'm I like... Thing is, though, Dom, they do have uh, SK into XL as the next two games. So that is the little pick-me-up. That's the tonic that, you know, oh, I'm feeling a bit better about myself, actually. Oh, maybe I can get going again, because fucking hell. Yeah, I mean, the, the, but it's just, it's a fucking single round robin, right? So strength of schedule is everything. Like, they could do that. They could do that. And then outside of, of that, I mean, maybe it's like a four and five split, maybe a five and four split. I don't think yeah, it's going to go that well on. for them. But either way, I mean, my, my point is that they just don't look good. When you watch how, how they're playing, it looks fucking weird. Like, what the fuck happened mid lane in that third game? Where you have the yeah, Renekton, yeah. you have the Renekton and the Nico just like walking directly into the Yasuo's face. Leader's just like 2v1 chopping them up. Adam's just walking around in a circle mid lane. His whole fucking top wave is dying. What the fuck is going on? Like, I wonder what it must be like to be crown shot in this game. And you go in the VOD review. And you see what the fuck is going on with your teammates. Like, how do you not flame them? How, do, how are you not like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Because it is it is egregious. And man, I, I'm just so surprised that they were playing at this level. It's like they don't give a fuck. Like, that, that was the thing that was so weird. It's like, what are you doing? Do you not care about the game? Or what are you trying to accomplish by just walking around the mid lane and getting chunked to fucking 20% on both characters? What is that doing for the game? Why are you doing it? Why are you there? I just don't understand it at all. Uh, that, that game was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in like uh, an actual game. <laughs> like that whole sequence, that whole like whole like Gragas queuing, not skilling E to just kill the Sejuani because the Sejuani was dead on the invade, not getting all the Raptors for level two, and then Nuke crossing like that into mid, getting tongue to shit, Renekton trying to save him, brewing the whole game, and then the stacking wave of Rumble, Gragas not defending the top dive. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like the, 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 I think... In, in my mind, right, it's like Nuke and Adam, I think they got away with a lot due to the context of the meta. I think that's super, super true. In my mind, BDS, I had way higher hopes for Shio. Because like Nuke and, and good, Adam, yeah. Nuke and Adam doing their, like not playing as good as like, okay, I've, I've taken that, uh, for, like that's, that's what it's, what's going to come. But what I felt like BDS did so well was just Shio securing lanes and then finding ways to find advantages through bot. But when I see like, for example, in that game, how he played Gragas and how he was offbeat and how he was just completely out of it, he doesn't seem to be the same player at all in these first initial three games. They had that first, second win and there we saw like that BDS, you know, that controlled game where they limit risk and they don't focus too much on efficiency, but they make sure they hit the right beats and they kind of walk in the ball into the goal because they can. I think this is something that BDS does well. I still think that Labrov, even though they're shit finals, I think he's really fucking good. Crown is really fucking good. And, I, and I'm hoping when I think of BDS that what they need to once again solve is how Shu interacts with the Bolden again, and then I think that they can find enough game states to beat out the teams that I believe are going to be below them. Maybe now, after I saw Fnatic play, because I had them fourth, I would put Fnatic above BDS, but I still believe that in the long term, this BDS is going to beat out, like, for example, the Team Heretics that is, going to, that is currently 3-0, uh, just because of still it's like even though the meta is different it's like zeri lulu is still being played zara Khan, you have all these bot lanes the milios and so forth and i think that labrov like he can even play the blitzcrank right and he has a good pool i think that that's going to be enough for them to uh, kind of create that 
similar pattern that is eventually going to bleed out as they go into the deeper best of fives, where I just think that they can play through bottom side, and then Adam does whatever the fuck he wants. Nuke just, uh, you know, uh, picks a, finds his two champions that is going to spam every game because bans are being thrown in other directions, and then it's going to be fine. But this weekend, is that, <laughs> that BDS game against Astralis, that is mental. Like I, I rewatched that like three times just for the sake of comedy really? because it's too funny. Like, it's too funny. <laughs> the first 10 minutes are just hilarious. They are insanely funny. <laughs> yeah, just but imagine I, being when you're bubbling. drinking, basically. When you're having a few drinks with the boys before you go out, put that on. It'll get you all laughing. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> entertainment, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's just so funny to just look at the scoreboard of this game. The rumble, like, the rumble is fucking 3-0 up 1.5k at 8 minutes. You're, you're crowning, you're bot lane, you're up one plate. You know, you're up one plate, you've got, you've got, like, you know, just a pushing wave. Like, you've got your items before the guy, and the whole fucking map is on fire. Like, you cannot have a worse map state than this. Combine that with this. Uh, Yamato pointed this out. Yamato, tell him about the, uh, the lost oh, chapter. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yes. Oh man. It's like Go in game. My man, my man Nico, Nuke is behind 1.9k gold, right? He's behind, he's bleeding out of every arm. And then for some reason he buys a lost chapter. I'm like thinking to myself, is he buying Everfrost or Nico? Everyone's going protobelt. Maybe he's playing against BDs, maybe there's an idea. Yeah. Let's see how it plays out. I haven't seen this. Then my man goes base sells it and buys an alternator he just lost 400 he gold <laughs> yes he, he literally just bought the wrong component for the item oh, that he was trying to build <laughs> and it's like and it wasn't like it happened later on in the game where you have like more money because you're farming this was like the the crucial fucking first item yeah, and, exactly. and he literally like the whole the whole thing is that lost chapter is 1100 gold now alternator is 1050 like you've got like this this choice between yes. the two they brought him in line he actually built the lost chapter, sold it, and bought an, bought an alternator in the game. Like, what the fuck is that, man? That is completely I, fucking I mental. He, Protobelt was finished at, like, I think 21 minutes, which is <laughs> crazy. So that is special. It, it's like a world reverse record, you know? It's, it's yes. crazy. Did you tweet that yet, Yamato? I don't, so. I, I don't think I did. You go ahead. Take it, man. Okay, all right. <laughs> I don't know if it was 21 or 19. It was something absurd. <laughs> if you don't know, yeah. before last last split, I think it was after the series against Vitality or something. I did that tweet where I was like, Nook, basically, better get you, better like fucking enjoy this time now because sooner or later he's going to come back to reality. He's not going to be on a really good team and he's just not going to be the best player. Like, And then he did that thing where he replied to my tweet, like, suck my dick. It's like, mm. mate, the way you're playing, the new fucking euphemism will be knock my dick because you suck more. You're fucking that bad. You're, you're outrageously bad. It's just fucking <laughs> terrible stuff. So to me, he's just always he's just always a mid-mid. He's fucking just mid-squared. Well, I, I mean, can't handle this fucking. Also, by the way, we can pivot this into talking about G2 now because if there's one thing I wish LEC would stop doing, LEC used to be the best region for innovating stuff, coming up with our own angles, having our own style. Why is everyone just copying like the LPL? Because the fucking Nico in the West is not it. And we're not just talking about Nook. Like, I actually think, even though everyone thought it was funny, I thought that Caps Nico play was one of the stupidest things I've seen in fucking years. Like, it's like he did it in a solo queue game. Like, I'm just going to do it anyway. Fuck it. Like, what was the point in that? Even that solo kill that everyone was raving about, it wasn't even that clean, mate. Like, I, I, I don't... What are these what are these Nico games, mate? Why does everyone think this is cracked? To just Every, work everyone... in scrims, do you think? I mean, it's just it's a super broken champion. This champion is yeah, so yeah. fucking it's stupid broken. broken. They played on fucking stage, mate. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. No, it's 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 like Annie. Like Annie's the other champion. Annie and Nico, it's because of the way that EU fights fundamentally. Right. They do not like being alone. It's it's like LCS, L the West has the same problem where 
when you watch the best teams in the world play this, when you watch LPL, LPL, it's like fucking guerrilla warfare, man. You've got like five different people spread out in different bushes. Everywhere's a fucking landmine. In the West, everyone's just grouped. So when you're playing Nico and you're just staring at the other guy or you like turn into a fucking ward, but you're just in the fucking lane, you don't get the value out of this champion. Where the whole idea behind Annie, about behind Nico is being able to find complicated engages. I think it's so hard for players in LEC and LCS to judge when they should go in when they don't have follow-up. Like they can see the five-man wombo. It's like, oh man, I ult and this guy layers on top. Everyone's in position to follow up. That's the fucking play that, that that's gonna work. But when you watch better regions play, they're way better at understanding how many people actually need to be able to follow up on a play in order to make that play successful. So if you have an Annie and you can get like a two-man ulti, but just your Wukong can follow up, that's good enough. Or you can get like just your Khan to, to follow up or you just have some extra damage or some extra CC on top, you'll look for these angles. But in the West, man, like these Nico and, and the, these Nico and these Annie plays, they are just not buying sweeper. They're not sitting in the right pockets. They're they're impatient and they're playing it like a control mage. They're playing it like Azir. They're playing it like Oriana. They're playing it like Victor. And that's why I think those metas are always going to suit these regions better because you don't have to do this complicated stuff. This stuff that's like pretty hard to teach. Like if players haven't done it instinctively being like, okay, you want to like position in this bush and you want to just stay there and then your team has to not also sell out your position and like look really aggressive when you're looking to like come into the fight they need to just be able to let things marinate a bit like keep the angle wait for the team to like really like push past the line of no return and then flank them and, and really get the fight started so i think That's nico is something no. let him marinate spit roast them you come in yeah. from both sides they're just in the middle getting fucked exactly no i'm 100 down spit roast yeah. them they don't spit roast anything, bro. It's it, it is just... a lot about that to be fair. Just ask him. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Kazi, if you just read his Twitter, apparently Kazi's really leaning into this month. Every joke's just like that, so whatever. Yeah, it's your style, the, it's your style. the way the way they do it in in uh in LEC and LCS is just like it's like doing s'mores, bro. It's like the marshmallow yeah. just on the on the stage. It's only one side, so they need to yeah, exactly like that, bro. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like the team fighting in LEC and LCS, I feel, is so mistake reliant. And the sad part is, it's like sometimes it works. Like sometimes you have a little Scion walking into you and you just win the fight for no fucking reason. Nautilus queues in when he shouldn't and you win the team fight for no fucking reason. It's like everything, it's like the way they posture, it's like they're looking at the enemy and just waiting for the enemy to end. It's like, this is how this is how we team fought back in season one, bruv. It's like, we, we just waited and it was like, oh, you just entered the road through the front because people were just too bad to to understand the context of the champions. But now I feel like often when looking at most of the LEC games, there is no concept of understanding how to grapple with the space. It's like in LPL, there's clear maneuvering and everyone's aware of the space that is important. And I feel like they are very good at snap engaging when they notice that the enemy moved incorrectly. It's like, it's like how they, for example, leverage Vi. It's like, Every time I see Vi being played in the LPL, how they do it is when they retake space, Vi is so, so good at defending the edges when the enemy is trying to, to flank on you. It's like every time it's the Annie and the, and the Kennen that is trying to undermine your position as you enter, they are going to get snapped and engaged on. And they're, they're aware of all the positions that are important. And then instead we have these fights where five players are walking into five players and they're just looking at each other. They're just looking at each other and just praying that someone gets too bored and walks in. And it's like, for example, the Fnatic game. It's like every fight was, it's like you had one side G2. They had no uh, initiative or no reason at all to engage because it was just poking with the Maokai. They're holding their ground and holding the position. 
And then you had Oscarini. He wasn't sure about his role in that game. And he was kind of just walking up and throwing pizza rolls with his cue. And he just didn't understand that he can make himself a lot bigger if he just doesn't show. And maybe they can become a little bit more creative in the engage and maybe find some more chances. But instead, a lot of those fights started with Oscarini getting chunked to shit. And this is such a common trend where you see whoever is just posturing. We saw this with the Odamne versus SK game, right? It's like... Odoamna was just who just walked into the enemy team for no reason at all, uh, didn't leverage his position. The fact that the two people showed on mid and SK and they split up and he could have cut them off, but he went too deep and died. And all of a sudden this game was was just over. I think this this whole chess game in terms of what space is important, with what space is important, I feel like this is a concept that is not uh, explored enough and the fights are too, it's like just a fucking gun showdown and the poke compositions just look so broken uh, because no one has this idea and this concept of of space but then when you see yeah. like the nikos and the annies it's like they're always always hidden and it becomes like a most important point for the team against the annie to spot this champion at all costs and uh, this is just not the same yeah. thing in a lot of the lsc fights i mean what i would say is that when you watch lpl specifically when you have nico and annie in the game you're only going to see them on your screen like 75 percent of the time in LEC, it's like 99% of the time you see the Nico. Like you see them where they are, they're clearing a wave and then they go with their team. Or like, you know, Annie is just sitting there in front. And you that's the reason why the game is so fucking hard for these Annie players is because you're looking at them and you're just trying to flash ult them. A pro player's played against Annie for fucking 13 years at this point. They know when an Annie is walking at them and trying to flash ult, like how to react to it. They can react with their cleanse. They'll flash it. They'll gale force. They'll do what they need to do. It's so much harder to react to these situations when you have, for example, in the Fnatic game, if you have a Malphite coming from the side and then you have a Nico coming from the other side, and you're like trying to watch both positions at the same time and escape two different ults. Like that is when it's really, really difficult to, to actually play the game. So, I mean, honestly, we should probably make a video about this at some point and just compile the clips, but you can find such distinct clips where you can show the, the differences in mentality when you play these types of comps and why these t- types of comps are terrible. Like, if you look at the statistics, these comps are absolutely horrible. Like, Annie and Nico in the West is like 20% win rate or like 30% win. It's absolutely abysmal compared to these champions that are must ban, first pick, first ban um, in the LPL. And then. Okay, um, oh, go on. No, there's one more thing I wanted to say. Make your point, I'll come back. Yeah, basically, one thing I wanted to highlight from G2, because they do just look at the best team right now. There's no argument against it, really, is mate. What a fucking... Uh, uh, G2 must be so fucking praying to the gods every day that they got Mickey X back. Because that would have been one of the stupidest like releases of all time. Especially when you consider the trajectory that Targarmas took instead. Because, mate, this has to be one of his better years in his career. And also, you know, people used to do that thing with Mickey X where because he was at his peak, when Hillisang was at his peak, they were like, oh, it's just sort of like diet Hillisang. It's like, bro, this guy's Nami is way better than you'll see from like fucking Hillisang, mate. This guy actually understands that champion. Like, he looked really fucking slick on the games he was playing. A general, he's just one of the best players on their team. Like, if they do well, this might be another MVP slip, mate. Like, I think he should have won the MVP in the in the winter one. I thought that was legit. Like, it just the guy's just really fucking good. And then this team, they're just synergizing well. Like, I actually do think G2 just is the best team. I had him a second because I had the, the fucking hopium for vitality, but that's somewhat dead at this point in time and it's a miracle <laughs> happened. So, right now, yeah, that's, that's fucking great. What, and what an underrated yeah. player. Like, here's the thing. Hillisang had you where he entered or splits where he just couldn't play because it wasn't the it was just the enchanter meta Mickey X now is, his body of work is fucking incredible his career mate and he's still going he's still arguably at his peak yeah uh, what I wanted to say is, is this it's like when you see people watch 
the LPL and, and LEC or like when LEC players and LCS players, they watch the LPL and the LCK. They take away like the champion picks a lot of the time and the drafts, but they don't actually take away the play style. And I, I literally wonder if they're sitting there and they're watching these games because if yeah, you yeah. saw like JDG at MSI, my fucking God, it was so apparent the way their mentality was in T5. When they were playing the Rakan Annie Wukong, like that was their strategy. And they're playing versus T1, one of the best teams in the world, allegedly. And, you know, they... <laughs> 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 Sorry, and the way that they found those in game, it was actually just it, it was really fucking nice to watch i wish we saw a little bit more of that no i, I can i can i can for sure like lushanami is such a good example of this shit right yep. it's like no one fucking looks like people pick lushanami no one fucking plays lushanami it's like everyone plays it they get like a good condition and then they don't leverage the strength at all and then you see like for example billy billy play it it's like they put putting region around mid and they make sure that the enemy needs to fucking walk five on you to yeah. fucking stop this lucian from dashing on your forehead and then this elk he's just swinging his balls because he knows he has three dashes cleanse and flash mm -hmm. and he's going to leverage that to the absolute max and then you see these other lucianami players they're like oh so drake is coming up i guess i'll do my culling you know, and then it's like that's it. As a, what the yeah, fuck? What do, the fuck are you doing? You know, they do a third of somebody's HP bar, and yeah, then it's they like just go back like, it or some shit. You know, it's yeah, like, it's, it's like so what the fuck are you playing Lucianami? You know, it's like, and then I and then and then I get the brunt of the shit. It's like that. Ah, it just picks Lucianami all the time. But we we sat down and did the work. We're like, what are they doing when they play Lucianami? Oh, they put vision around mid. They make sure Lucianami can dash on cooldown. Okay, so let's do this. But but that step, I think one hundred percent, you 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 are right, though. That they see, oh, they're playing these champs. Let's pick them, and then that's it. Yeah. By the way, I'm with How you on the team angle because the other thing is, don't worry, I'm not a lycanthropic. I'm not going to turn into a wolf here. I've always thought T1 was overrated in that sense. Like one of the wackest takes on Reddit. This was a real consensus if you saw the match threads. One of the takes from MSI bro when people like JDG were winning games on Annie was like, just that. you could tell this was so low Q, fucking gold level talking out in the fucking wild. They were just going like, it's just Annie, bro. There's no cat. You don't even need hands to play that. And it's like, bro, your god faker can't play that champion like Knight plays that champion. What the fuck are you Toby talking about? Toby couldn't play it. Yeah, Toby like, was getting ran on it. Like, that's how they <laughs> lost. That, yeah, all that needs to tell you right there is, if it's no hands, like, first of all, it is hands. Every champion's hands to some degree. And then secondly, like you're saying, like, the way they used it was so much different, though. The threat of the fucking Knight, Annie, is so much different than it is if you're just, like, a different team. It's like, oh, we're all right. We just do it. I agree, though. I think that's always been one of the biggest problems of the West, dude, is when they try to just take the champion and they're not even looking at what it does. They're just like, the champion is strong it's like that's not how the game even fucking works it's not like you're not actually in a solo queue game now there's no broken champion that gives you an auto win what are you talking about like how are you going to use it that's the main question right and if you don't understand that don't pick it just pick what you actually understand this yeah. is one thing i don't get i'll tell you a random analogy that'll make sense in this regard right i've actually met shaquille o'neal i actually right wrecked him on camera at that fucking ces <laughs> years ago i can tell you he is a kind-hearted guy but he is dumb as a bag of fucking rocks but you know <laughs> what shaquille o'neal is an insane millionaire not because he made hundreds of millions playing basketball lots of people did they spend it all they have mansions they have alimony all that shit here's why he's a mega millionaire still dumb because he invested loads of his money over his career into businesses right and because he's not super smart he even says for real here's what he would do he would just talk to the people about the investment idea or the business idea and if it didn't make sense to him and he couldn't understand why it was a good product he didn't invest 
Like that sounds so simple, but if you know anything about investing, motherfuckers don't do this. They think they are like psychic. They're just better nothing. I think it could happen. Or they're just doing things that you're saying. Oh, I've heard these things make a lot of money. I invest in it now, but they have no reason as to why. Like that actually is, in my opinion, in the game, a fundamental concept. You have to understand what you are doing and why. Otherwise, why are you doing it? It's not fucking roulette. You can't just, fuck it. Yeah, I won. Like that's not going to happen internationally, especially. It's going to be game over when we go international if you have that mentality. Definitely. Like at one point I had to, it's like, my philosophy about draft that it's like you build a foundation and then it should change based off of new information. Because too often in my experience, players come in on a day and they say, I want to play this champ and I don't want to play this champ anymore. And they don't give fucking reasons. And if there's no good reason, I didn't fucking let it happen. Okay. Because too often it's like, it's like, if you want to implement a new champion, there needs to be a clear idea as to why and why it's good and why we need to do it. And uh, because in so many cases, I work with players where they're like, yeah, this champion is shit now. I don't want to play it. It's like, what the fuck do I do with that information? It's like, so, so we just changed the whole draft because you think it's shit. Why do you think it's shit? And it's like that, that contrition, it's like there's so much stimulus of information. They play soul queue game, they get wrecked by a champ, and then all of a sudden they want to play that champ for some silly reason, or uh, they watch the game of Canyon 1v9 with it. It's like, I want to play it now too. And, and, I, think, and I think that process needs to always be handled very elegantly it's like there needs to be a foundation and the changes you do to your foundation need to be do be done with serious knowledge information and conviction rather than of a feel because i think that's something that happens too it's like there is yeah. a lack of confidence in what you've built because it's built off of built on paper you know it's not built on something real and if you build something on something real and you make changes a little bit more carefully with with information you will not, you will not you'll not be like turned over by like a wind like one game is played in lpl and all of a sudden we want to change everything you know and sometimes you have to do that like the static ship level long maybe people limped in it's like oh this champion is clearly op i remember it happened to us too it's like we play first game against unicorns of love and it turns out tom kench top lane is just the most broken champion in the game and we need to figure it out so we just sat down and figured it out sure there's outliers but most of the time i think that study of why you're actually picking a champion is actually not occurring. Because if you understand why, you can also begin to think deeper in terms of how to beat it. I think G2 is a team that does that. It's like, oh, everyone's picking this champ. Oh, maybe we should explore this. Like Kled Cassio, maybe we can find something there. Or they're finding angles because they understand fundamentally why they pick something. Then they can understand fundamentally why they beat it rather than being a follower. And I think that's common. I think that's very, very common. Yeah. Oh, man, it's, just, it's so frustrating because you know it feels so good if you're able to execute properly with these types of flanks and these like pincer yes, maneuvers yes. or just being able like when you do this if, if they were able to replicate it like a few times in a game they would just it would just stick forever because it's just it's so per like when when you do this in a game it just explodes the entire fucking game and it's so perfect for your team to be able to have that angle where not only do you have to play like the you know the front to back comps which i think that in in general the west is like okay at like the front to back mage mids all that if you have another level of your gameplay you get you can do a multiple different things i think it will completely change the way that that your team will operate and i feel like that could be a way to kind of close the gap
Yeah, yeah. I, here's the thing. I'm going to already veto on this episode because it's been going quite a long time. We're vetoing talking about Excel and maybe even SK because fuck those yeah. teams. Show me something and I'll talk about you. But I do want to talk a little bit about Koi. Like, first and foremost, I'll just say this. Actually, I'm so glad that this team got rebranded because now I never have to say that Rogue was shit. Rogue was a banging team that was one of the best to play in the LEC. It had a few issues in playoffs. It did some great GMing in Rogue. They consistently upgraded positions and put together a nice call that eventually cohesively worked and won the LEC in a, in a league, remember, where there had only been something mental like, you know, like three or four orgs had ever won the LEC. They went from like bottom of the table with the LEC franchise in the beginning to winning the league a few years later. Koi is a sack of shit. They are some of the worst GMs I've ever seen. Odoan the still isn't even that bad. He just looks like he can't fucking handle it. He looks like he's in a POW camp right now in that fucking team. He was still a solid player. He should be in your team. Look, Shigenda's actually gotten good this split, but the joke now is he can't carry bot. And this was a team that always played through fucking bot because Larson is not like the 1v1 mid lane. He's the farm mid lane into team fights. So the sad thing is, like, Larson looked really good last split, but was hampered by the team. This time, like, he does play Ari. He can have a good Ari. He obviously didn't know what the static shiv proc worked like, as he said earlier. And to me, the bot lane, you have ruined that completely. You have absolutely fucking ruined that bot lane. Like, give it away, Trimby. That is one of the dumbest moves I've seen. That If Trimby's bad in your team, that's a fucking warning sign that something else in the team is really bad. Because this guy had spent what, two years just looking like a stud? So even when he was bad, he still had the champion pull. Like, so you kicked him out for Advien, who was always just the most mid player you've ever seen in LEC. Like, people wanted him to have a job. It's like NACL. They wanted him to have a job. They never said he was really good. No one ever said he was really good, bro. Like, that's it. Like, so to me, they've ruined this whole fucking team. They've got nothing yep. now. You can't have a guy who's the top laner, but you don't play around top lanes because that's not what you do in Europe. And never in fucking Rogue did you ever play around top lane. Your mid laner is just going to farm and go to the team. So he's never going to get like an insanely depression map and then bot lane's ruined like oh and then also spoiler in case you weren't watching all the past episodes Malrang was never him he was never him and so now you give him this team it's over this team for real they're just lucky SK and XL exist because they can possibly sneak into groups again but that's it there's no chance of playoffs there's no chance of give it up it's over this team is fucking ruined. Like, for real, I'm not even joking. After this episode, I will literally DM Larson and tell him the following words. I know you don't want to hear this, bro, but you have got to get out of this team and get to a different team. It is over. This team is fucking done. Close it down. The joke is, you know fucking, what's his name? Good old Ibai, fucking, who looks like he's on 4-3 resolution permanently with a normal camera. This fucking cunt, he's like refusing this core stream games. Fuck, refuse to play and have your team in an LEC. You fuck, they're garbage. You've let them completely be ruined. Like, this team is trash. Oh, that's it's, the it's end rough. of Thorin's, Thorin's career. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me on Twitter, dickhead. Give me another 40 million hits worth of engagement this month. Oh, wonder what I'll do with that. Spin it into loads of money and fucking eat meat filet mignon while you're eating dog shit. Koi <laughs> <laughs> is looking rough. I, I think my, 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 <laughs> that's my, that's I, the fucking fly swatter, homie. Because when there's a pile oh, of shit, no. you can be sure there's a bunch of flies circling around it. And I come in like, Get out, bitch. It's okay. There you go. <laughs> no, Koi Gaming, I think that they just, it's like, bot late 1%, it's like that fucking trade. I was in shock that this happened. It's like, it's like okay, Koi has some internal issues, whatever the fuck. It's like, you want to shake, shake things up? Like, oh, okay, I, I, I get that. You think this is not going to work? But I don't, I don't see what is the best case scenario with what Advin has shown so far. It's like, Advin is a very uninteresting player, I feel, and... I think that he has shown nothing uh, to me that uh, will ever tell me that he's going to break uh, the top three. 
it's like Labrov has shown a lot of good sides. Like yeah. he showed a lot of fucking good games. He's an exciting player. I can see his trajectory being sure. potentially positive. But it's like if you're playing in the league and you want to be significant, you need to be able to swing with Hilly and Mickey and and also Trimby. It's like this is always going to be the test in Europe. It's been the test for the last couple of years. You need to be swing with swinging with them. And not a lot of not a lot of players survive that. Trimby survived that, and that's what makes him so fucking unique. There was a time where Trimby was the best European yes. support. When Rogue won, he was the best European support. He was playing the Sorakas, and, and Comp was also delivering super, super big time. I look at this team, Koi, I think Comp is, is a very strong player. I think that uh, the rest of it, it's like when I, when I, whenever they, it's like Shigenda is to me like an Alfari light. It's like the guy lanes well, but then it's like there's nothing. It's like there's just no teeth, no instinct at all for how to convert games. I was watching this fight, right? It's like Malrang is waiting for his Kisante to stack Q3. And then when Kisante has stacked Q3, he sees that Kisante has flash, and he sees that Leona has flash. Nocturne decides to ult on the timing of Kisante Q3, and Kisante can just WQ, like W flash Q, and just get in there and get a good engage with the Nocturne ult, Leona go too. But the moment Nocturne ults, they are just standing there and looking. They have no instinct at all for how to win games. And I think this is going to just be their downfall. Because as the game progresses, Larson to me has never been that player that that is he's going to always be very, very consistent, very, very solid, regardless of who he plays against. I think that's Larson's biggest strength. But he's not going to be that guy that is going to like find the crazy any fucking flank or engage or do the game-breaking play. He's going to be a very consistent laner and he's going to supply whatever else you're going to be throwing at them. Now you have Advian, Shigenda, Malrang was heavily underperforming this the majority of the last couple of months. I, I think that Malrang was uh, important in how they won uh, the, the split because it's like, I think I think Malrang played well there, but uh, he's uh, clearly not uh, functioning so well. They made a downgrade in the super role and I think they just have no teeth in terms of what actions they need to be looking for when the game goes deeper and all they can hope for is that the enemy fumbles and engage hard enough for comp to actually win the game being as koi technically is a spanish org now because they're owned by koi as long as they play like this i'm going to create an alter ego for them they're not koi they're soy they're the most fucking low t team i've ever seen in the lec come on mate get on hrt or something you fucking need it okay your nuts aren't existent the nutsack here can even confirm it you also should (laughs) have shriveled up into your body like you just touched some cold pool or something i I would agree if xl didn't exist because that right there that That is is. a fucking low t team like they, they have no sure. test though. It, it's tough. I mean, especially if Shigenda is playing like this, if he's having his the Shigenda games where he's popping off and shitting on lane and it still doesn't matter and yep. you're still fucking losing these games. I mean, oh, how are you winning? How, how are you winning? You need look, Azir might come back. Maybe Larsa could get in his fucking bag, have some of those, some of those insane Azir 1v9 performances where they play like some front to back, but I don't think that they'll be like good. You know, they'll, they'll be a team that might have some good games, but they'll be figured out quickly. Teams will understand how they function. There's going to be no depth to their like playbook and they'll just get exposed and, you know, fall in a uh, group stage probably. All right. Let's just do Astralis then then we'll leave. 
But enough about what all the teams say when they're in the LEC studio. No, anyway, like, obviously, here's the problem. This is another team, Yamato, that I was just kind of out on last split. Like, I actually feel like last split was their window. Like, they actually had a real chance where they could have made top four and they could have come fourth. And the best thing about that would be, did some interesting upgrades, some players played better. You also had the factor where, like, Leader was having some pop-offs. Like, if you come fourth, you know, Leader probably even makes, like, third team all-pro fucking mid lane or something. It would be quite cool. But because they blew it... It's not happening this split, mate. Like, this team's all right. They have some good players. But, like, again, this is why I sort of agree with the earlier convo. This, I've never been bummed out by other past splits. You know, as long as it's, like, one or two top teams, I could give a, I'm an elitist. I don't give a fuck about the other ones. There's just G2. There's just G2 and the Madline's sort of, like, yeah, like, above average. BDSI. These are, like, the top three fucking teams. Fnatic, I have to hope, keep being good. But even they have a couple of players that are, like, inexperienced. Like, Bro, like, this is not it. Like, this uh, Astralis team also just likes, like, meh. Like, they're going to be in the groups. Okay, great. But what are they going to do? Yeah. Who, who are, they gonna, are they really going to threaten, like, a G2 if they put them back that way? I mean, I, I mean, know. also, their one win is, like, I, I call it the cardinal sin against BDS, which is, or the cardinal <laughs> sin committed by BDS against Astralis, where you leave up Sejuani versus this team. Like, you're playing versus the guy that it's plays every okay. melee mid laner in the entire <laughs> fucking game. Like, just just ban his fucking uh, ban his fucking Sejuani so that he can't play all these melee. At least if he plays his melees, it's not super effective. So I think the meta actually really sucks for Astralis. Like the champions. I mean, even though Leader had a pretty good laning Nico game, it's not his style, right? Like he's somebody oh. who wants to just like get in and out. He plays like the melee champions well in the fight. He's not somebody who looks for like the insane engage. You know, like Nico Annie, he could be serviceable on them. But he needs to be a superstar for this team to win. He needs to be carrying the fucking games. He needs that Yasuo performance to carry. He needs the rally performance from uh, Spring Split. That's what this team needs for, for them to actually be good. And I don't think that he's going to be able to um, exist in this meta and have enough champions to be able to carry them if other teams start drafting cynically against them. And I think that they're going to be in a nightmare because they're going to be a team that's going to have to ban LeBlanc when they're on blue side. They're going to probably need to ban Nico if other people are able to learn it on blue side. I mean, they're probably just going to leave it up and just hope other teams play it and see what ends up happening um, because obviously they played Yasuo into it and it, it semi-worked, but they're not going to have a Sejuani. I mean, Finn is going to be hit or miss and they have to rely on the bot lane just being mega stable. So um, I think it's really hard for Astralis to exist right now in the current patch. So maybe they get it to group stage. I mean... I guess it depends on SK and XL and how bad they really are, but it's going to be tough for, for Astralis. I think they will be like a bottom team in the LEC. This is another team, by the way. If you think it's bad for Crowny, Kobe is going to have the same experience. Like, oh, well, no chance to win the game then. Brilliant, cool. That's the end of this one. I'll just yeah. try and like die one less time and end the game. What I mean, the fuck? he's playing a losing lane. He's playing yeah. He's playing Lucian Nami into Draven Nautilus. He kills them 2-0 in lane. And then at 15 minutes, he hasn't even made a mistake. And Flocket is randomly fucking 6-0 up like 3k gold, or 6-1 up 3k gold. Oh, it's so sad, man. It's yeah. depressing. Sad. It's super depressing to be copy in this team. I feel bad for him, and I feel bad for Crowny. They are getting fucking griefed. Yo, yo. I, I feel Astralis, I, I would be so surprised if, if SK and XL make it somehow. I think Astralis is going to make it through. I, I, would, I would be more hopeful about Astralis than, than Koi. I think that the, the 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 tough part about Astralis, it's like their edge is the fact that they are a southpaw in a league with uh, traditional yes. fighters. And I think currently, as you mentioned, Dom, is just that the the, the the current meta champions are too powerful to to cheat your way out of. It's like right now, Nico's too OP, Leblanc's too OP, Milio's too OP. Like there's too much OP garbage that 
you cannot uh, uh, leverage your level level of uniqueness that well. I agree with the notions like BDS banned Mauka instead of Sejuani, which is absolutely mental. Uh, Kobe was playing the Zaya and they had the Yasu combo and that worked out well. I think Kobe and Yunghun are really, really strong players. I think 1-1-3 is... He just is as like clockwork. It's like, I'm going to fight level three. I'm going to fight level four. I'm going to fight level five. And then it's like the variables that he takes into account when he makes a decision are so... The only variable is the fact that he's level three and level four, level five. Doesn't matter where mid is. Doesn't matter where bot is. Doesn't matter which champion he is. Doesn't matter what the context of the enemy champion is. He's playing Mauka. He's fighting the enemy jungle. It's, it looks so absurd. But I think... The, the main thing Astralis can do in order to, to win games, because I think they have this strength where they always fight, but they fight as five. Even though they take shit fights, at least they fight as five. And I think that when they are picking yeah. the, the compositions that are awkward in the context of what everyone else plays, the windows of where they are stronger are going to be very inconsistent in regards to what teams are used to. And I think that's where they can find the edge. Like when they beat G2 in the regular split, last split, they had this composition that was very unique with the Aurelia, and the, the influence of the power of those champions that teams are not used to playing against can be leveraged to, to gain an edge. But it's just so tough in the current meta, and the hope for Astralis is that on, on the 13.13 patch, that they get through to there, and that uh, they will have a lot more leeway in terms of how they can maneuver around their bands. Because I think still, Leader is a strong player. I watched Finn in Champions Q this entire time. He was smoking everybody. Like he was destroying Adam back to back to back. And like Finn was, Finn is a, yeah, is he, a, he is a, is a strong two. player. That, that wasn't Champions Q. That was actually just the third oh, match. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. The, the match too. So I can run it on the mid. Like I was absolutely yeah. mental. Uh, mm -hmm. But just in, in the context of the potential of Astralis, I have faith that they're going to be better than Koi, SK, XL. And I think this is a team that in the right circumstances has higher odds of upsetting the teams above them than some teams that are maybe closer to them, you know?